You have just been invaded by... Hey there guys, this is DJ Slope from Slope's Game Room and you're listening to Slope's Cast, the retro gaming news show recorded live on Twitch with my co-host Grizzly Cryden. If you like the podcast and you want to be in a chance to be on a future episode, then please do consider becoming a Patreon or YouTube member. And if you have any particular news stories that you would like us to cover in a future episode, then please do let us know in the dedicated rooms over on Discord. Plus, if you are listening to the podcast on any of the many podcast services around the world, then please do give us a little review. It really does help us spread our wings and get into the earlobes of plenty of other podcast goers. Anyway, enough of the plugs. Let's get on with the show. Hey there guys, welcome to Slopescast and uh, Grizzly as always is going to quickly talk us through the, is it five topics this week Grizzly? Yeah it's five and a bit, I think five you'll figure bit. out why in a moment. Um, okay. So this week on the Slopescast we have Zool of all characters is mm-hmm. back and he's getting yep. the remastered treatments, a little bit more of a remaster than we would typically expect from a retro I wouldn't say icon at the stage, but yeah, yeah. You get the idea. Um, returning again on the Amiga 500 Mini, uh, which has just been announced. That looks yeah. pretty neat. Very uh, recently. Marvel versus Capcom 2. Um, insert Take You for a Ride soundbite here <laughs> um, from the Kick Scammers show. Um, it's potentially coming back by way of YouTube and uh, YouTuber Maximilian Dude, uh, great guy from what I've seen. Then you have Sealed Game Auction Madness continues with a copy of Mario on the original NES. Um, the cancelled Duke Nukem prequel. And we're going to ask Dan here uh, a few questions, aren't we? Yeah, that's going to be the end of our uh, little thing this week. We're going to round it off. We've got a few things here that are probably going to be able to skim over in all honesty in regards to news. So we're going to end it off. Nice little bit of Q&A that people in the Discord and Patreons and YouTube members have all asked over in Discord, and I'm going to answer those questions. Uh, and I'm sure Grizzly will be joining in too. And for people that are watching and wondering why there's so many pictures of Fred Durst up on the screen, where we might be cutting this in right now, it just looks really funny right now. And um, uh, funny in a in a... Here's the definition of what you want your uncle to look like, I think, now. Um, if people don't know what he looks like, go, go look up Fred Durst now, because it, 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 you, you think you've spelt it wrong, because it doesn't look like he used to look. It, it's insane. It looks insane. like Lemmy cleaned up his act. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what he looks like, like an old biker. But anyway, we've had enough talk about uh, Fred Durst before we started this uh, podcast. Maybe we'll yeah. continue with the uh, Limp Biscuit uh, talk <laughs> after the podcast. But for right now, we're getting into our first topic, which is Zool getting the remaster treatment uh, under the name Zool re, uh, Redimensioned? Redimensioned? Yeah, I mean, at least they tried a bit, yeah. They could have just called it Zool Remastered and it would have been fine. Um, yes, so Sumo Digital uh, is the ones are the ones behind this with consultation from the original Gremlin graphics guys. Uh, it seems to me that they're actually going to be putting a lot of effort into this one. So mm-hmm. for those who are unaware, uh, people who don't recognise the little black... Uh, black covered ninja the, the the gremlin ninja even though he's 
technically not a my, my, my son's going for a bit of a looney tunes thing at the moment and he saw it and thought it was marvin the martian and i was like yeah. no yeah it's yeah, not definitely. too far removed from that i suppose he looks so angry um yeah zul uh the character that not very many people will remember even if you were gaming in the 90s is uh yeah it's here it's coming back Mm-hmm. A bit of an Amiga icon, this one. Less so on the likes of uh, the, the Mega Drive or Super Nintendo, but still a fun little platformer. Very difficult platformer, if I recall Very correctly. difficult. Um, but yeah, so what Sumo Digital are doing here is they are remastering both the original Mega Drive release, which if it people weren't quite... aware, is different than the Amiga release. Yeah, I'm very surprised they went. They chose the Mega Drive one, even though it was definitely more an icon of the Amiga. I mean, it, it was definitely well known on the Mega Drive. I, I wanted the game when I was younger because of the chewed that it provided, but uh, I didn't get it until many, many years later and... Well, I'll, I'll, I'll leave my review until we until, until a little bit later on. Carry on, carry on. So uh, they're even going to the ha- they're they're even going to the trouble of redesigning the boss fights. Which, if people remember playing this game, they were not easy. They were no. almost impossible to a degree. That you know, we had one of the like least forgiving like life mechanics, and damage just sat through Zul like nothing. Um, they've added a whole bunch of quality of life options, including level select, checkpoints, accessibility options, and more. They've essentially made a retro game playable to the modern audience, mm-hmm. and I'm all for it because games like Zool are easily look- overlooked, uh, even back in the 90s. Nobody really cared about Zool back in the day. It was either going to be Sonic, Mario, or, you know, if you were lucky, Dynamite Heady and the like. Zool yeah. was just it. It looked like a uh, a bit of a cheaper version of everything else. I mean, if you look at the screen, uh, the video, and the trailers at the moment, or if you look at an old uh, look at some screenshots online, if you're listening uh, via one of the podcast platforms, you, you can see night and day. It doesn't look nearly as good as the likes of Mario and or uh, Sonic. There's just no contest. It looks no, messy, I mean, but yeah. It- it's important to get yourself into the mindset of the uh, 90s developer and consumer like myself. You know, people, um, uh, we might be having someone join in with this one, this topic actually in a moment. Uh, Goldfish on Games, he's a, a hardcore in the Amiga scene. But um, yeah, everyone was trying to do the next um, uh, cool platformer. And Zool was a very strong contender he definitely had the chewed needed that sonic brought to the masses you know like bubsy tried to do it and there, there was there was many many others you mentioned things like there, like dynamite heady uh massive underrated gem for back in the day definitely more well known nowadays uh even, even the mcdonald treasure land adventure game <laughs> these are all games that i would personally choose to play over zool personally because when i do go back and play zool unfortunately when you keep saying about how hard the game is the reason it's so hard in my opinion and i know there's a lot of lovers of zool out there but in my opinion the reason why it's always so hard isn't because it's an incredible super meat boy or, or celeste style platformer game it's hard because it doesn't control very well yeah um, it's a game you need to learn every pit stop kind of like bubsy but not as bad um uh to be able to get 
real enjoyment out of the game. And I suppose back in the yeah. day, if I got the game, I would have learned how to, to yeah, play it's, inside um, out, you know. It's very much a case of, like, when you when you play the likes... Of, you know when people complain about Sonic these days and they go, oh, it's a game about going fast and, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you can't see anything that's up up, up and coming. Well, Zuld is actually the, the embodiment of that argument because... Yes. It's it's a very fast paced game and you don't you don't see anything, especially on a four by three as, aspect ratio. But in this trailer, you can see they've gone sixteen by nine. You can they've see a little more, and I, I think that makes it a bit more fair. Of course, people are wrong about Sonic, but they're absolutely right about Zool, at least retro retro Zool. Well, let's let's get another opinion here. If I just unmute uh, Mr. Goldfish on games and uh, let's get get your opinion. Uh, are you are you a fan of Zool, uh, Goldfish? Well, I've reviewed one and two on my channel, so and I've got it for the Amiga, uh, PC, CD32, uh, so maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, what, 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 you going to be picking this one up? Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely pick it up. It's been interesting watching the trailer because some of the backgrounds have definitely been from the console version, which has been sort of interesting when you're then looking at it sort of talking about this Amiga classic and the what they're showing on screen is obviously the the SNES version. Right, <laughs> <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> See I'm not that I, ingrained yeah, in it to know, know the differences I'm between one them of the few people that probably could spot that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But, so um, so yeah, without uh, obviously people should definitely go and check out Goldfish on Games, uh great channel, one that I've shouted out many times in the past. So it's not I'm not just doing it because you're here. But um <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, great. go yeah, go go and check it out. But so but briefly, what are you were you were you fans of the original games? Yeah, I was a bit of a fan of the original, like because I had the Amiga five hundred plus at the during that time. So mm-hmm. that was my sort of fast arcade sort of console platformer so i played a lot of it and i think what people don't realize with zool at least Zool one was that there was actually a lot of weird sort of mechanics and puzzle elements particularly in the second level you see it's just a little bit there with the music yeah and there was actually that one well and there's a bit where you had to to you got your way around three quarters of the level and you sort of got yourself stuck and you walked onto this little box and just these notes floated up you had to memorize what those notes were, go back to the piano and play the notes on the piano for the exit to show up. Yeah. And it was Did so... you, you didn't look that up yourself. You, you discovered that yourself by like going around. Cause I, I just, when I hear things like that, it gets me so excited because that's a, uh, wow, you've just, you've discovered something so incredible that the, the developers have put in to, to make you progress. I, I just find that, that sort of, those stories so humbling to hear. I really like that. Uh, they sort of hinted toward uh, it at earlier. That if you did that, you got an extra life, and then you required right. you to do it in one of the, the like the next level. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those like the whole Zool thing is really weird. So the first one came out in the Amiga in like ninety two. Then in ninety three, right. Zool two came out in the Amiga. I uh, came out on the Amiga, and then the original Zool then came out on the consoles. Yeah. So the console versions of came after Zool two on the Amiga. <laughs> Which is right. why you've got like the the climbing ability in the Mega Drive version and stuff, which was first added to the second game. Wasn't their whole reasoning for that because they stated that the original Zool was almost too much for the consoles? 
and then you know they, what they're like right? yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I i love old school marketing and that was definitely one of those things i remember getting zool um myself when i was a kid on the mega drive um which is the the secondary version that's available on on this um i think we're seeing both in the trailer here but the um it was just like i, I remember it just like going oh yeah cool another platformer i love platformers oh this one's got yeah. chop chops branding i have got real hankering for lollipops now um and then you know i I kind of play through and i just like going eh it's okay i guess though when you're on amiga you don't really mind as much because this is what you have this is your platformer it's, yeah, you didn't yeah have, potentially. Like, the, you didn't have the mascot. Zul was the mascot. I, mem- I remember, like in, in, in more recent years, like finding, discovering some some pretty awesome platformers. Um, things like I didn't even know existed until the internet. Things like Flood, which I know is not really a platformer. I suppose there was there was a few others as well, but it's just like there was a lot of games I, I, I preferred over Zool, but one thing Zool did have was an incredible design. Um, yeah. And, and like you say, the chewed, you know, the big thumb right up at the, the screen, you know, that ninja of the nth dimension. It was quite easily marketable, I think, compared to, to um, you know, the, the average Euro platformer, which, you know, for the most part in, in Europe, they weren't all about the chewed. We were, we loved it in the UK, but oh, in totally. Europe, I suppose it was a bit more James Pond's everything needs to look shiny and 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 you know like a fake shiny and, and everything needs to be an animal or an elephant or something you know but but where this this was easy marketable um there, there was a lot of better there was a lot better platformers on the amiga and and definitely the consoles as well um it was one of the games that i was always fascinated by i remember if, if i wanted a game a lot i would end up drawing it a lot and i used to draw all um but I never bought him. Uh, thankfully, the other character I drew a lot was uh, from Jim, and I did buy that one instead. So <laughs> it's it's great character design. And does anyone remember the? You remember those re- that re- that real spate of like awful Wii platformers? Wasn't Zool supposed to be Gingerbread like, Man? Ninja Gingerbread Man. man yeah. Sorry, yes. And, so- and then they turned around and made three games that were completely different skins, and then you know they're just awful. Yeah. So that's one of those sort of semi-urgent legends sort of thing like i actually did because someone mentioned this in one of like uh octi's uh, octavius king's stream sure about it and so i was like well let's have a look so i actually got the the game sort of looked at the the contents of the the dvd oh wow and there's there's three audio files that were just called like zool jump one two and three and that was the only hint i could actually find in the in the game wow that it might have been a, a Zool game initially. Sure, sure. Yeah. Or it could be just that they took the sound effects from an old Zool game. Potentially, <laughs> and used potentially. It. Quite possibly. They they did have a tendency to recycle things. So Yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Well, one thing I do hope, and the way I see it is, uh, you know, I'm not a hardcore Sega fan because anyone that's watched my channel for a while will know. Well, I am definitely a hardcore Sega fan, but one, uh, I'm not a fanboy as such. Uh, even though I'm a hardcore fan of... Uh, um, uh, Sega platformers. One I've never really been the biggest fan of is Alex Kid. Great design, oh, lovely yeah. music, all that sort of stuff. But in fact, that original game, not many people know it past the first couple of levels. Um, and that's because the game ain't that good, in all honesty. They remade it recently, and I was hoping that they would actually give it a bit of a way forward 
punch up the arse at, at treatment or kick up the arse treatment uh, to really vamp it up for the new generation. But in fact, they didn't really do that. And unfortunately, the remake, as pretty as it is and as beautiful as it sounds, is the same pretty bog standard game um unfortunately i'm hoping with zool they do refine those uh, out of control c- controls uh, yeah. and uh, do vamp it up because the platformer um it may have been it may have hit its peak in the 90s but in more recent years um they've really come on their own you know your super monkey uh, super monkey ball uh, uh super meat boy is utterly like some of the best precision platforming out there celeste uh, and i've mentioned loads of other ones there and uh the end is nigh which is another one that he uh the, the, the same guy who done super meat boy did the, the, there's so many out there um I mean, sonic's come back as well obviously <laughs> um you know the <laughs> yeah. mario uh the new mario games donkey kong country returns is some of the best 2d platformer games or 2.5d platformer games out there so um I, I really want them to give that treatment to the to, to the original Zool. That's that that is what I want. It just amazes me that we got Bubsy before we got Zool. Yeah, what was that? Um, but yeah, no, you know, memes. <laughs> so yes, that and probably licensing. I think Zool was in a weird place for a while. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But Sumo Digital, all they're good guys, and I've got uh, faith in those guys. They've they've done some great stuff. Um, so fingers crossed for what they do to this. And weirdly, Definitely. that isn't the last we're going to be chatting about Zool today. So we might as well keep you on for a little bit, Goldfish, if you don't mind. Because um, just... the, the, the next topic, I think, is going to be right up your street as well. We've had the Mega Drive Mini. We've had the NES Mini, Super Nintendo Mini. I've got that uh, retro arcade. What is it called? The Astro City Mini from Sega as well. Game Gear Micros. What am I missing? The PlayStation Mini. Um, well, there was all the... Atari flashbacks. Yeah, that was long before. Uh, at game consoles, and yeah. then you've got the uh, oh, you got that new other arcade mini coming up as well. The one with the rotating screen. A- that absolutely, we talked you do. About, and I can't remember the Mr. name. Mr. Lolkins, Astro the City. There is a mini they released in Japan, and very, very limited numbers in America and the UK. It's uh, a mini of their arcade unit with thirty-seven games on. So you have got like the arcade versions of Golden Axe and what have you. Uh, I've recently got it. I'll be streaming it tomorrow. But um, yep, the Game Gear Mini or the Game Gear the Micro. So I said that one. I said there was also the Neo Geo. There X. was, there was. The next one, though, is one that I'm sure you, Mr. Goldfish on Games, is going to be pretty, uh, well, interested in. We'll see if you're actually going to be buying it. <sighs> Go on, give us the uh, rundown there, Grizzly. Right, so what we're looking at uh, is from the same folks that brought us the C64 Mini, which I believe was one of the first mini consoles the first, on yeah. the market. Um well, comes the, the mini name, like... Stuff yes. like the, the Atari flashbacks were out for a good like five years yeah. before. But what what really stood out with the Commodore sixty four mini is is that it was the high quality. It was the one that took the um the concept and actually gave something that fans of the original would appreciate, um, as opposed to the likes of say in that game's Mega Drive, which was just a Mega Drive in name only. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, that here here we are with the Amiga five hundred mini, uh, which is you know exactly what you would expect and a little bit more so what they've done with this one is they've made it a fully fledged uh, amiga 500 emulator in fact it will emulate anything up to an amiga 1200 uh, which is notable and it allows you to sideload your own roms 
into the into the the thing. They're actually encouraging it, which is very unusual is. and very welcome. So you could have an unlimited supply of Amiga games on your Amiga Mini, and that sounds amazing. Uh, it comes with a controller. It comes with a replica mouse. I don't know if it's optical or not. <laughs> that would be awesome if it was. I might even use it on my PC. It looks so fun. Um, and then you can plug in a USB keyboard and you get full functionality out of your Amiga. I personally love this idea because the Amiga 500 is such a bulky device. And I know it might go against uh, retro sensibilities of wanting to play on original hardware. But for me, this seems like one of the better ways to do it. So be interested to see what Goldfish thinks about this. Go on, you go for it, mate. It's one of those things I obviously I've got most of the the original amiga stuff so if i am going to be playing on an amiga i'm probably using those mm -hmm. over this specifically but at the same time it is quite it is a cool little device and hopefully it'll might get more people into the amiga which is one of those platforms that sort of gets some recognition and then very quickly yeah it's got the it gets the hardcore recognition oh, yeah. doesn't it like everyone and their mum knows what the super nintendo mini and the mega drive mini is but the the amiga community uh they're there to stay you know they're uh th th that's my impression anyway you're not going to be seeing many of these compared to the mega drive mini on on facebook marketplace like a week later the, the, these these will be probably bought by people that want to have them collect them um so uh i mean yeah i it's the fact that it can side load game side load games is the reason i'm interested um i mean all in all honesty the majority of the games that it's showing on here things like alien breed 3d another world um atr all-terrain racing battle chess uh cadaver kickoff 2 pinball dreams simon the sorcerer speedball 2 love that game the chaos engine worms the director's cut and zool again um uh are all games that uh, I either already have quite nicely on another system already, uh, or I'm not that worried about. Like it's, it's nice to have Kickoff Two, I suppose, but I'm not going to play it. <laughs> um, for me, though, what I find exciting about this as a dad is the fact that dads are going to be buying this. And when I bought my Mega Drive Mini, um, I played on it a bit, obviously, but the same as you, uh, 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 Goldfish, I, I had the majority of the games I wanted to play, so I would play them very nicely on my Mega SG on a, on, on a more original hardware. I suppose that's not original, but you get what I'm saying. My son, on the other hand, loved the Mega Drive Mini, um, as in like he played it a lot more, and he got to discover some some games that, you know, it was, it was a good father-son bonding thing. And um, I, I see that there's a lot of hardcore Amiga fans out there, dads out there maybe want to pick this up, and I've seen them. It's a great way of doing a bit of the old connection with the kids. And I, I, it's, it's the dad talking here, but uh, I think it's cool. <laughs> uh, I, I just, I just want to find whatever ROM I can find of that Canon Soccer Christmas mm -hmm. promo that they did for a magazine and play that because... I don't know if anybody's ever seen Canon Soccer, but it's hilarious. It's the melding of the worlds of Canon Fodder and Sensible Soccer. And it goes about as well as you'd expect. Um, well, I will say, if anyone wants to actually play Canon Soccer, if you've got a PC, then check out Open Fodder. Yep. It's an open source re-implementation of Canon Fodder, but it includes all the demos. And nice. one of them is Canon Soccer. Oh, nice. So you can you can just download uh, Open and just try that out without needing anything else. Not bad. And you'll last about three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Um, I've, I can only imagine. I've just freezed it on one frame again for people listening. I've freezed it on a frame in the video. Again, these are, are I'm, I'm very much guessing renders rather than the actual hardware, the way it's being shot. Because someone in the chat, Mr. Chevmatic, has asked, will the keyboard work or will you have to plug in a keyboard like uh, with the C64 Mini? I can almost guarantee, not that I have any proof of this, but I can almost guarantee those keys will not be working. They don't. They don't. Yeah, yeah. That's confirmed. Um, I'm not entirely sure. I, I, I might be uh, losing my retro gamer cred by suggesting this, but have they actually emulated that the outer casing after you know spending a week in a smoker's house, or was it genuinely that yellow originally? Because <laughs> <laughs> those keys are pure white, and then the outer casing is just like this. Dirty you, you'll yellow. know this one surely, won't you? That's all. So, yeah, the case, like, the 500 was quite beige, with the keys being <laughs> not quite that white, but not <laughs> quite as beige. It was a slightly different colour. The 1200 was a pure white. Right, machine. okay. So The A500 Plus was pure white as well, if I remember rightly. It was the same sort of colour. Oh, right, okay. So it was the, the 600 was pure white. I just love the idea that you know the 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 mini console manufacturers have like factored that in and gone right okay if you want the true experience <laughs> um, it's gonna stink a cigarette when you buy it comes with a free pack of pens and hedges <laughs> yeah here's some retro bites stick it on the sun for a couple it's, of days it's and you get the really true. bad I tell you what there was this one I remember as a kid I lived on this this small little uh, street this little cul-de-sac and um, everyone I knew had a Mega Drive I didn't really like I've said this many times I didn't really know much about Super Nintendo at all because everyone I know had a Mega Drive even at my school there was only 70 kids at my school um, uh, there was uh, every single person had a Sega from what I understand a Mega Drive or a Master System and no one had a, uh, anything Nintendo based and um, there was one very broken home always police outside this one house and uh we, we knew the people lived there and we'd go in there and it always was very dirty and filthy but they had an amiga <laughs> that's the only amiga i knew <laughs> that i knew that someone had and it's just left that ingrained mind like oh what sort of people buy amigas is this like the cheap console or you know i didn't know nothing about it but i just remember seeing the amiga with uh shadow the beast and whatever else there was this um the one system in this very very dingy dark broken home of a house um i uh there's a little story my my my, <laughs> my um like experience with the amiga is uh i think my dad was looking at buying one because he wanted it for work and it's that typical like situation where the work machine just quickly becomes a games yeah. machine and the amiga was perfect for that but i remember like grabbing a hold of a copy of space invaders 91 oh yeah um, and playing the cow mutilation level such an awesome mini game having, that is how have it a have it a great old time and then suddenly it disappeared after a couple of weeks and I didn't get to play much on it. Well, but, the, the system you know, went I away. I did like what I played. Yeah, I think I think we just just I think my dad just decided against it right. because I was probably using it more for games than he was going to do it. <laughs> use it for work. There you go. There you go. Well, unsurprisingly, unsurprisingly, I was always wanting a computer when I was a kid, being a massive geek, and uh, so they bought a second-hand Spectrum, a plus three. This drive did not work. Right. So that quickly went back. Then got a, a C64. We plugged it in, turned it on. The power 
supply exploded <laughs> because it turned out <laughs> it was an American because yeah. it was an American unit we had plugged into a UK power supply. Sure, sure. So in the end, they finally decided to actually buy a new machine uh, rather than second hand, and that was the Amiga, and that's obviously what I've grown up with. Mm-hmm. Almost all my life, and so that's why I've always been a big fan of the Amiga ever since. And thankfully, a lot of my friends were had them, so we used to trade games. Oh yeah, for sure. I knew, <laughs> back in my Amstrad time. days, that's all it was about. You know, you you make these loving mixtapes of games. It's yeah. awesome. What a time to be alive. And and that I mean, I had a sneaky look at the Q and A questions later, but one of them about being a, uh, why why I wanted to become a YouTuber is because these are the stories of the UK and. Uh, a lot of people were believing from what I could see in the UK that the American uh, uh, history was our history and it just wasn't. This was our history. And it was, didn't go back that yeah. far. That was the 90s, which I know is a long time ago now, but that's the 90s for me uh, and, and late 80s, I suppose. Like, I, I, I would make these mixtapes of my favourite games. Like, literally, some games I would have and I would make mixtapes of these games to hand them over to someone and they would bring them back to me and I'm like, wow, let me check out your favourite games. The way you would do a mixtape of music. Um and uh yeah 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 it was uh what a time what a time i mean yeah i'm, I'm not denying the games weren't all that good <laughs> for the most part but they were a quid each all free <laughs> so it was kind well, of okay that's a great thing about magazines back yeah. then you just get free games on the front of a magazine and you're like sorted that's pocket money gaming as opposed to paying 40 pound plus for a mega drive title or 80 up to 80 quid for a uh, super nintendo game you know like the amiga had that cheapness down pat once you got past the initial asking price oh for sure i mean we've got people in the chat here mr lolkins i still have my mixtape games uh, of like 1994 and ice ferno i remember doing that with my spectrum games too yeah it's awesome it's awesome that's one of the things i was going to bring up about zool was like obviously the console versions would have been 40 50 quid mm-hmm. the amiga version 24.99 yep yeah yep yep absolutely and so huge difference in price and sort of different expectation in quality as well probably because of it yes and uh i remember it was like one of the big evolutional steps from the oliver twins excuse me the people that made the original uh dizzy games among many other games um when they went over to las vegas at a ces i think it was they they saw that wow people are buying games of 40 50 quid 60 quid a pop and we're selling them for two or three pound a pop and some of those games aren't as good as our games. I think we need to jump ship. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a completely different world. It really was. Um, it, it, it's insane to think back. Uh, while they were having the video game crash of 1983, we were giving each other copies of Roland on the ropes. That's how it rolled. <laughs> so um, There was this whole other sort of thing that happened with the Amiga, Amiga and the other computers was that some of the games were far more complicated, like Frontier Elite. Two, for example, that my mate got the game is like I have no idea how to play it. I don't have a manual, mm-hmm. no idea. And so over the next two weeks, m- me and him would play it each night, and we'd meet up in school and we would talk about the things we discovered the night before. Yeah, it's like I worked out how to to jump from one system to the other, and it's suddenly like wow, this whole game opens up, and it's like oh, you can do this and that, and because so many people didn't have the manuals for their games for whatever reason yeah yeah (laughs) okay you had to discover these things for yourself yeah i remember having patience like that (laughs) (laughs) and now these days if i can't work out how to play the game in the first 10 minutes i'll 
I'll just find something. Yeah, else. that's it. Exactly. Job done. Yeah. Job done. Uh, I remember the only game was, that you had to great. have a manual for me that I remember was uh, the Turtles uh, game that you it had like this sort of red, oh. almost violet looking. The red, yeah. Uh, the red, uh, very red paper with sort of lines going through it with the very dark black it was like you squinting yeah and um i remember i spilt a drink on it like a day or two after having it and it was just like that was it not playing that game anymore and i i still uh would boot it up and try and guess the code uh and it was just never going to (laughs) happen never 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 um i need to own that one day just for nostalgia i'm never going to use it but yeah there's actually two versions there was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles, and they're actually two ports of the the NES game, mm-hmm. but the graphics were completely different. Yeah, obviously I had Hero, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, like all of us obviously had Hero, but it's interesting that they ported the game twice. Didn't happen too often, did it? That I know they did the same thing on. Actually, it was on the NES. Obviously, with a lot of puzzle games, weirdly, I know they've done the same thing with Tetris on the uh, NES, and they've done it with what was that other game? Uh, but the the they rolled forward towards the screen another puzzle game I can't think what it's called now but they did it with that as well Clang oh is that Zoot Clang I think it was Clax Clax that was it Clax yeah Clax <laughs> it's weird I I I I weirdly got obsessed with Zoop uh, we have gone so far off topic but uh, yeah I, <laughs> I really liked Zoop back in the day um, oh, I remember I picked that up dirt cheap there you go but yes. The Amiga 500 Mini. Will you be picking it up, Grizzly? I, I probably will because it's one of those. It's one of those devices I've got very little time with, and I feel like there's a wealth of content out there. Mm-hmm. And it's 16-bit. You know, it's it's my it's my kind of gaming era. I want to be able to play stuff like Another World. I want to play stuff like um, Flashback in its original form. And Amiga had the best version of that for the oh, era so. the music of flashback on the amiga is oh it's so good bone chilling also i admire the ghoul the utter ghoul that they had to release the d-pad controller as the cd32 pad that's amazing <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it's a cross between the cd32 it, well things that's the cd32 pad squished in a bit but the d-pad is actually from the cd tv controller <laughs> even better which actually predates, like, if you look at the design, it actually predates the the PlayStation with that sort of cross design. Oh, yeah, as well. yeah. Broken cross, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, as long as it's around, I don't want to spend much more than 70. 120. I, is that how much yeah. it is? Yeah. Yeah. It might the, be a no for price, me. That's a lot. The price is the, is the problem, I think. I think they've priced it too high. I understand why, because they have to license firmware from one company the name from another and then get all the games from various other companies so it becomes quite expensive Mm -hmm. yeah as you get newer in generations the licensing becomes a bit more of an issue um i to me i just want to see whether that mouse has a rollerball in it it'll probably be optical i would say it's optical you can actually get optical upgrade the original tank mouse i've done it to mine so wow. I've actually I use a, a tank mouse with an optical sensor connected to my Amiga. So nice. You can like there's those sorts of upgrades are already around. But See now that's that's a good question. Sorry, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. But uh, Lolkins raised a really good pre- question. Will it have workbench on it? If they've 
if they've been able to, as far as I'm aware, they've been able to license Kickstart from Kalanto. So they should be able to get Workbench along with that license. Whether or not they include it, I don't know. But I because they were talking about you can load up your games via WHD loads, which is a, a special way of packaging the games up so they run from a hard drive rather than disk images, which are called ADFs. Right. So, so far they've mentioned WHD load and not ADFs. So it might not be better to load up one type of game format, but it could do the other. So you, they might be expecting you to use Workbench to load those up. We'll see. Or they might not include it because it's just an extra thing. But seeing that they, in the C64 Mini, they had uh, Basic that you could drop into, I don't see why they wouldn't give you that option. Hmm. What about you? Is the uh, £120 uh, price point goldfish a bit too much for you? It's, I'd say it's too much for me just because it's one of those I don't need it. Yeah, I've already got the hardware, but I am quite interested in some of the games that they've included, like Worms, from what we've heard, is meant to be the Director's Cut, yes. which was an AGA-exclusive version, which wasn't on any of the other machines, which is cool. Nice. And the copy of Zool from the video looks like the CD32 version as well. Oh, right. Interesting. Because it's, it's got the... difference. Well, you get that background. Like, normally Zool has a very radiated sort of background to it. The Lots of colors, where that actually has something in the background to it. Um, so that indicates... Yeah. You see, just for a brief You second, really do, don't you? <laughs> um, which probably part of the reason probably they picked that one is because you then have a dedicated button on the controller to jump rather than pushing up. Right, <laughs> oh, of course, easy. of course. So there's probably a good chance they'll pick, like, even though it's called the, the A500 Mini, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the games are actually the CD32 version just because they supported more buttons. Like, Interesting. The Amiga actually supported two buttons, but most games only did one because most people had one button control, uh, one button joysticks. Joysticks, yeah, yeah. There we go. There we go. So, um, I, I, uh, one hundred and twenty is a lot for for me to have to pay this, but to basically buy something that I'm probably not going to play with, um, much more than a stream here or there. We'll see. Maybe maybe that'll be the reason I buy it, but I know that's a very unique way of looking to buy something. Uh, when I look at the average consumer, I think if you're a, a hardcore Amiga fan, potentially 120 is a lot to ask. That's a significantly more than far more popular systems like your Mega Drives and your Super Nintendos and your NESs and what have you. Um, uh, I, I don't even see people paying that uh, for, for, for Dreamcast minis. I mean, obviously I would, but... The, the general public paying that sort of money for that. I, I I think these mini systems really need to be below three digits. Um personally. Yeah, I agree with that. Um I do agree with that. Don't yeah. be wrong. I mean I, like I, said, like I would buy a Dreamcast Mini in a heartbeat even at two hundred pounds because I'm that person. But I am the niche. Uh, and I think if you want to appeal to the the mass market who used to have this system, I feel like 120 is uh, definitely definitely too high. It needs to be 90 at a push but i still think it needs to be around that 70 mark in all honesty i i often go back to this when it comes to the mini consoles because they're not really designed typically they're not really designed for the people who are invested in the retro gaming space yeah they're, they're more built for people who re will remember owning one years and years ago 
and then we'll want to just revisit some memories but uh, and just as a gift for christmas mm-hmm. but what's really strange about this one is i feel what the amiga 500 if you were really a big fan of the amiga 500 you'd, you'd still be somewhat immersed in that world i feel because it's quite hardcore it's quite specialist as opposed to say a mega drive or a super nintendo you had to go out of your way to really get one and get into it um so i don't really get that gifting aspect and that that's also doubled up by the fact that it's coming out early in the year Mm -hmm. as opposed towards as opposed to q4 right up to the run up to christmas so it's a bit of a weird it's a tough one we're gonna see how it goes um i do feel like the mini uh, craze has burst a little bit, primarily because we've got to a stage where it's going to get a lot harder to be able to make mini systems of N64s and GameCubes and and and, and, and Sega Saturns. And well, they did the original PlayStation, to be fair, very poorly, uh, unfortunately. Um, but again, Sony didn't really care about that too much, I'm sure, because it was made for that mass market that probably don't remember, probably don't notice the difference between tech and being 50 Hertz or 60 Hertz on a mini system, you know? Um, yeah, that's why, <laughs> uh, but there you go. There you go. But anyway, I think mean, that's probably enough Amiga for today. Wasn't it? Thank you so much for popping on with this one. Uh, uh Chev Mag. um, sorry, Gould, uh, Gouldfish. <laughs> no problem. No worries. No worries. And again, for people that are just joining, please do go check out Goldfish on Games uh, uh, channel. I'm just going to go find it now and send you. Put a link in the chat. Uh, Goldfish on Games, and um, yeah, because it's someone I've chatted up before, and definitely worth checking out. And look, one of his latest videos is a Sega one, Sonic Two uh, on the Master System. How could you not go and follow him? It's as long as it's not Sonic 2 on the Game Gear, because that game is impossible. <laughs> I, I do actually point out some bits on the Game Gear and how much difficult it is because of the lower resolution. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That, that uh, little pincer boss on at the oh, end there. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. There you go. So many wasted hours on that thing. There we go. Well, thank you so, so well, much. Thank you very much. No worries. No worries. I'll tell you what, one question before we go, because a few people are asked, uh, talking about it between themselves in the chat. What mini do you want to see? Because I'm seeing uh, a Virtua Boy Mini. That wouldn't work. <laughs> um, just a set of VR goggles and like yeah. a flashing screen, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. There must be a VR v- uh, emulator for the uh, Virtua Boy. That, that, that must sure exist. I, I know that with my 3D telly, if I put my... Uh, there's an emulator to be able to play 3D uh, Virtua Boy games on your telly, on a, on a 3D telly, and it works brilliantly. Um, and I've done that in the past and it's like literally the best way to play it and you can also turn off burning red to turn it into a bit more of a softer colour which is nice um, mini Game Boy Micro I'm ve- that is one that I'm surprised hasn't happened how have we not had a Game Boy Advance or, or an original Game Boy even um, probably be better to do Game Boy Colour or do both I'm so surprised Nintendo haven't touched on their Game Boy because considering they're probably possibly you never know but probably not going to make another Game Boy ever uh, or a dedicated handheld system um now that they've got the uh, the switch formula down um the big ar- the- big ask i think but sega saturn um, i was gonna say that emulation underrated, is yeah. hard very very hard but it's got games that you can't get anywhere else absolutely or that's ridiculously expensive to get your hands on <laughs> and also just like genuinely one of the most underrated systems 
ever because you know for for all of its faults when it did when it did have a hit it was a really big hit you had panzer dragoon saga on that thing you had burning rangers on that thing knights into dreams and guardian heroes and all of these absolute classic games that you would just see nowhere else apart from maybe knights and guardian heroes mm-hmm. but there's, there's still tons of like Japanese RPGs which still haven't been localized on that. Thing. Unfortunately, that love that. when you when you when you say you're going to get a Sega Saturn Mini in, in an instance, you're not going to get any more than twenty games. And yeah. unfortunately, all of these awesome games you're talking about, you're not going to see. Um, uh, yes, you'll get Sonic R, and people, oh wow, Sonic R isn't as good as I remember. You know, <laughs> oh it's. Uh, Sonic R's amazing. I'll have you know. Okay, well, it has an amazing soundtrack. I'll definitely give you that. But um, Fighters Mega Mix. Yeah, you know, there's definitely good ones on there. You know, you're obviously going to get Virtual Fighter games. You're going to get Daytona. But I say obviously, the Mega Drive Mini didn't come with Streets of Rage, the original Streets of Rage, and it didn't come with Avengers Shinobi. Um, so you, who knows what Sega would put on there? Uh, but yeah, I think the Sega Saturn would be the. the top of my list as well for sure just because wow and and you know what that is what i would be paying for triple digits for that again i'm the niche um but for the the sheer amount if they were able to get that thing working well then it's a no-brainer gizmondo mini michael town says (laughs) (laughs) isn't that just the gizmondo i think so well who knows i mean sega did the uh, the sega micro uh, game gear micro you know i I'm really surprised that Nintendo haven't done this yet. But then again, they do love the idea of like selling multiples of these. But how about like a Game and Watch console that just had I don't know every Game and yeah, Watch game? Yeah, I agree. I, I that needs to happen. Uh, and I'm surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if you can do that with the Game Gear. No, sorry, the, the the micros that they've already released, but they're only the single screens, aren't they? I would like to see a, the, the double screen one. Yeah. That would be very, very good. Uh, I would like that. The only issue is, is because the, the the best game and watch consoles are mostly licensed ones like Popeye and Snoopy, aren't they? So that's the only. Yeah, issue Mickey with Mouse that, one but... as well, wasn't there? Yeah, that is true. Uh, when you start thinking about it, it gets harder. It gets harder. I know some of the things that happen with the Mega Drive Mini, um, but uh, obviously I can't say. Anyway, let's move on. Thank you so, so much, Goldfish, for jumping on with those ones, mate. And um, yeah, no that's problem. awesome, mate. Thanks so much. Catch you in a bit. Thank you for having me. No worries. Good to have Bye. you, buddy. Bye. And there we go. Awesome, awesome. Uh Oh, I think I might have server muted him, actually. I better sort that out. Right. Um, yeah, thanks so much for Ghoulfish for jumping on and that. And again, uh, here is a link to his uh, channel. Please do go and subscribe with him. Uh, he's a great, great channel. Great, great guy as well. Definitely. Help me out on a few of the streams as well on the technical side of things in the past. Now, moving all away from things Zool and Amiga-based, let's chat about Marvel versus Capcom 2. A uh, <laughs> the, the soundtrack is always on my channel. Always on my channel. Uh, a bit of, take you for a ride. I still get people message me uh, at least every month, sometimes more, saying, oh, it's from Marvel vs. Capcom 2. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. And, um, yeah, so, uh, God, t- talk us through it, Grizzly. Right. So, yeah, first of all, I just want to give another shout out to that amazing music. Marvel vs. Capcom 2 has some of the wildest like tunes going. Yeah, that's the, the uh, character select music, music, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is. And then the 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 level music doesn't like change much further from that. Yeah, it's, it's insane. It's absolutely wild. But um, no, Marvel vs. Capcom 2, absolute classic fighting game. Most people should be aware of it. If not, then there's a couple of ways you can you can play it uh, without going to this length. Um, but let's talk about what Maximilian Dude, um, a well-known YouTuber who deals in fighting games, um, has gotten to the point where he's getting a little bit tired of this licensing tripe uh, that's been going on with the marvel versus capcom uh universe so ever since marvel versus capcom infinite and even before that mm-hmm. marvel versus capcom 2 and all of the previous games have had a bit of difficulty staying on digital platforms simply because of course the the, the mass licensing issues um and it's a real shame because marvel versus capcom 2 is considered one of the most classic games in the fighting game community it is um and even though it's wildly unbalanced, um, so to, so much to the point where the majority of the, the teams that you see online or, you know, in multiplayer are the same three characters, <laughs> it's um, it's it's still a beloved franchise. It's still a beloved game. So what's happened is that Maximilian Dude has gone to Twitter. He's put out a hashtag saying free MVC2. And the whole idea of this is just to, you know, explain to Disney and Marvel um, that he's tired of this. He wants to play Marvel vs. Capcom 2 online with decent neck. There, and there so, are people out there that also want it. There, there, there's, there's a hardcore community to want that. Oh, a huge community. Sure. But what's what's really uh, taken by people by surprise is that the uh, team Digital uh, Eclipse, who deal a lot in... Um, a lot in fighting game emulations and game preservation they've stepped forward and they said right we're going to make a case uh, to disney and marvel and try and get this made and we'll we'll make the best possible version of marvel versus capcom 2 you can get both with balanced modes and both with the original unbalanced modes with rollback netcode and make it the best you know possible online marvel versus capcom 2 so the ball's in Disney's court at the moment because right now uh, everyone's campaigning for it. Everyone wants it, and I'm sure a lot of people in the chat will want it too, yeah. just like me. Yeah. Um, and now it's just a case of whether Disney like money or not. Like I said, I still have uh, people, I say, message me, realising, oh, wow, that music you use is from Marvel vs. Capcom 2, which just proves it isn't just the hardcore community that already know that Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is a good game. It's people still going back to play that game. So there would definitely, definitely be um, new gamers that would be uh, discovering it as well. I mean, obviously it would. It's all of the Marvel characters <laughs> in a game. Who's not going to want it? Well, obviously not all of them, but people are going to... It's, it's so obviously going to attract new new people. Um, and it looks beautiful, even yeah. to this day. It's still a stunning game to watch. I mean, the good thing about it being all sprite-based, I know that some of the sprites were really outdated by the time they got to Marvel versus Capcom 2. I mean, the, the Morrigan sprite, um, particularly from Darkstalkers, is the same Morrigan sprite from the original Darkstalkers in Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Mm-hmm. So it's it's hilarious for that reason. But the good thing about sprite work is it's it's timeless. It and is. the gameplay is timeless. And that music is, well, uh, 
timeless. I'm going to say it's timeless. The, the, yeah, it, it's it's awesome. <laughs> I, I I keep thinking to myself, should I get rid of it? Because come on, it's been too long now. I I I, I move away from the, the that music now uh, a little bit sooner, just because it's in every single kick scammer video. But um, I can't not add it in there. You know, I can't not add it in there. And also, shout out to the uh, 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 the live band uh, Extra Lives who did a cover of that, which I've used a few times in my videos as well. Great, great little uh, cover band there. Um, yeah, like you say, it's timeless. As, 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 the way it looks, uh, like you say, it's a bit an unbalanced and stuff, but it's still a great, great fighting game. And it's really only when you become a bit of a pro at the game you're ever going to find that out anyway. Um, for everyone else, it's just a great, fun game. Um, yeah. On my shelf to save, really. No. It's, just, it's just one of those things that, yes, please make it happen, Disney, you fools, for not doing it sooner. Mm -hmm. I suppose you could say... It's nothing but a good thing if it does happen. There you go. Hopefully. 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 Yeah. Hopefully. Now, going on from uh, hopeful news to <clears throat> stupid news. Here we go again. <clears throat> Rare Super Mario Brothers copy sells for $2 million as retro bidding explosion continues. Now, this sort of thing happened a little while ago uh, where I believe did it sell for $1 million, or was it more than that? It was about one and a half million for a copy of Mario 64. That was Mario um, 64. My God. Yeah. You know, like, I, I'm going to repeat the joke I said in the last time, the last time we looked into this and go, well, you know, I bought my copy for a tenner. I, I don't know what people are thinking. Um, yeah, it's a bit weird, this, because it's not heritage auctions again. It's, uh, it's a different auction site called Rally. Yeah. And the difference is uh, with Rally is that people own shares in collectible items. And it's not a case of one seller selling to one buyer. It's multiple sellers selling to one buyer. And then that, that share, those shares get evenly distributed amongst those buyers. Yeah, I, I, I got reached out, not by this company, but by another company that was basically doing the same thing uh, for a sponsor once that didn't end up going ahead. Um, but yeah, it's, it's becoming a bit of a new craze. I, I, I think it's, I suppose in their mind, you know, the... the, the general public over the last 10 to 15 years maybe a bit less than that actually have really started jumping into the crypto game um and 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 it just wasn't really heard of uh a decade or so ago where you would know people that have shares in things um like and not not just like oh i like man united or i like disney or whatever it may be i've got a, like a few hundred shares in whatever it may be just a company or a team you support i'm talking people that are buying and selling buying and selling buying and selling as if it's like wall street uh, but it's just your mate doing it on his phone and i just feel like this is a kind of latching onto those sort of people that want to collectively boost up the yeah. price of something um and completely artificially mario brothers on the NES, without looking it up, is the most sold game, the the, the best selling game on the NES. Is my guess, probably maybe oh, behind totally. Duck Hunt. I don't know. It's 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 got to be number one. Oh, maybe Mario Brothers Three. Actually, I think that may have beaten it, but still. Um, and it's now the most uh, expensive, like the biggest selling game of all time, or like the, the the most expensive game of all time. Two million pounds for Mario Super Mario Brothers it's 
mental. Yeah. It's mental. Some, something just doesn't smell right about these, does it? Because see, there, there was a lot of theories about like shill bidding and potential money laundering with the heritage auctions uh, things. None, none of that's been confirmed, mm. by the way. It's just a lot of uh, conjecture. And they have been done for shill bidding in the past, just not confirmed for in Mario 64's case. And then suddenly this happens from a site that almost nobody's heard of. But again, it's a WATA graded item, which I don't know if people remember. I remember getting slated in the last episode. <laughs> the last episode we discussed this because I didn't know who WATA was, despite the fact that they apparently they grade just about everything. Yeah, you'll never um, get a ten, will you? Even if it's come straight off the press into one of those, it's yeah. never going to be a ten, is it? That's the highest you can probably get nine point eight. Like, yeah, it's it's Barney. If if I heard, it still would be ridiculous if it was stadium events or one of the more obvious go to you know tetris for the mega drive or um the nintendo world championship car or something along those lines if it was something a bit more obviously uh uh, uh rare because there's very few copies of it uh known to exist at least but this is Mar- super mario brothers the most successful selling game on the system in fact i'll tell you how and and someone said on here it's on every single system yeah it is it is i mean obviously it's not the original but again it's one thing i will say that it it, so you 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 may have heard of a recent kickstarter scam that's going around don't worry i'll be doing a video on it one day called uh dream world yes so dream world is this crap RP, uh, MMORPG and it's complete scam. It's absolutely rubbish. Having uh, the kids, the, the guys going off and having the kids take over. It's it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Now they were able to get funding through a few questionable measures that one day I will do. I will disclose when I make that video. But they managed to get some good funding um, or an all right amount of funding to be able to get this game underway before it went over to Kickstarter. Because of this, a lot of um, uh, uh, people that like to uh, um, uh, that pay into new businesses, you know, invest investors. The, the, these people, the, if someone like me wanted to invest in something, I would either have to research a particular company and go, Oh yeah, I'll give you X amount of money. Or I would go to someone that would do that job for me and would be a lot more intelligent in doing it. But obviously he would take a fee. Now these middlemen would going to people like the dream world. Uh, 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 or people that were knowing about the dream world. There's like, Oh, this looks interesting. Maybe we should be investing into this. And I'm guessing that these, and for anybody that ever watches any kind of Kickstarter related stuff or any kind of this, MM, it knows what it takes to make an MMORPG will know that it's absolutely a stupid thing to ever put money towards. But to an outsider, wow, they're going to make one of the greatest games ever made. Yeah, they can do it. They can do what Blizzard can't do. And you know, it's, it's, it's absolutely mind boggling. Now, the only thing that makes me feel like this is a bit more legit is that there's going to be these middle people that want to invest into wow a sealed original mario brothers that's got to be one of the rarest things ever because i can imagine say i can imagine saying that to like my dad or someone that has knows nothing about video gaming the last game he probably played was a pac-man in the 80s arcade machine you know um and him believing that wow this is good i better put some money into this as well not only that but it's the mintiest version of this super common game but this is the best condition one you can get oh gamers love that stuff gamers love that stuff yeah they do they love to be the best at something it's like speedrunners they you know 
those extra couple of seconds mean absolutely nothing to you or I, but yeah. to them it's everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess horses for courses, I can actually see that being a realistic reason why somebody would spend a lot of money on a copy of new um, of Super Mario Bros. But I don't believe it is actually like I I don't know. Like I feel like if you were the person that had bought this, you would have come forward and gone, "Yes, that's me. I own the greatest uh, copy of Super Mario Brothers." You wouldn't just like leave it be, would you? You you never hear of the people who buy these these games at such high values, do you? There you go. Is number one sold forty million units 40 million units and apparently this is the best condition one i'm but here's guessing the thing i'm guessing that. that's on digital as well <laughs> i'm sure there's not 40 million cartridges out there i don't that, that, that's ridiculous actually but yeah still i mean like here, here's the thing about that if there were 40 million cartridges let's say for argument's sake there are there must be a couple of shipping crates out there of sealed copies of mario brothers i know it's an old game but that you know these things turn up and like you know sitting in warehouses for years and years because they were never like picked up on the consignment yeah we had that recently with copies of uh you know game gear games um and uh the smurfs around the world on master system i found um i, I saw there was being a big news thing about and uh you know th these things do turn up so what happens if suddenly a 9.9 .9 arrives if you were the guy who paid $2 million for a copy at 9.8, you'd be pretty miffed, wouldn't you? But this is the best one in the world so far. There's no way it sold 40 million cartridges, though. I'm trying to look this up on several different sites and everyone's saying 40 million. That has got to be digital, surely. That that includes that includes NES consoles, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, because, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, because that it was a bundled release. And Duck, Duck Hunt should be up there pretty high as well. I mean, I, I, I can go back, but got to be really careful. Yeah, I say that on stream, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's Mario Brothers at forty million, Duck Hunt at twenty-eight million, Super Mario Brothers three at seventeen million, Super Mario Brothers two at seven million. See, now I'm thinking Legend of Zelda six point five million. Now I, yeah. I'm there's definitely been more than six point five million copies of the Legend of Zelda Zelda sold outside of cartridge based. Yeah. So is 40 million the real number for Super Mario Brothers for the original NES? It's probably easier to go to the Duck Hunt number because there's less cop soulless copies of Duck Hunt out in the world than there are soulless copies of Mario Brothers. So you're looking at 28 million bundled with the console and then whatever's remaining is the amount of I think, I think we're right. Chev Matic says right there, there were 62 million NES systems, so 40 million copies of Super Mario Brothers are out in the wild. I, like, I had to double-check that because that was such an, an absurdly big number. I was like, that's got to include um, uh, uh, digital releases. But that's the cartridge numbers. Whoa. But one has just sold for 2 million. Wow. Uh if anyone's got two million in their pockets and they're thinking about buying rare video games, maybe uh, you know, go and buy some rare video go, games. Don't buy this. Let's go, let's go buy. <laughs> let's go buy some rare video games together. If you know what I mean, yeah. Mental. Yeah. <laughs> Mental. I, I literally picked this up two years ago. It wasn't boxed or sealed. In all fairness, for like a tenner. If I you think buy, it was. if you buy an NES. In, in a car boot sale, you will get a copy of <laughs> You <Brothers>. will. <laughs> 
Wow. Wow. There you go. Two million pounds for Super Mario Brothers because people don't know what the hell they're buying. Crazy. But apparently the people that did invest into this got a 900% return. Um, Yeah. That's how it goes. (laughs) That's how it goes. I'd be curious to see what they put in for it. Crazy. Crazy. Um, I wonder if they'll let me open it up for my Mario Complete History one day like Quang did with his Castlevania uh, games. (laughs) I still wince every time I see that video. (laughs) No. Crazy. Crazy. Right. Um, is that the last one? Oh no, we're talking about the Duke Nukem prequel as well. I, I didn't look into this, so I'm going <laughs> to let you go into this one. Uh, oh man, right, okay. Best thing to do, Dan, is uh, pick up the video. I apologise for anyone listening on podcast platforms. I will try and describe what's going on. Yeah, go for So, um, before we start, uh, before we start, Dan, um, so Gearbox Software, uh, around the time that they acquired the rights to Duke Nukem, um, of course, they were working on the likes of Duke Nukem Forever uh, to get that finalised and finished. And then around 2008, uh, they were pitching the idea of a Duke Nukem prequel, uh, which would be called Duke Nukem uh, or, uh, Origins or Begins. Yeah, Duke Nukem Begins. Um, so they commissioned a small company in Dallas, Texas called Jan Imation. I don't know if they're small, actually. They could be huge. But judging by the the visual footage, uh, I'd say smaller. Um, so what they were tasked with doing is creating the vertical slice of creating what a, a Duke Nukem prequel would look like. And it's a third per- it's depicted as a third person action game um, where Duke Nukem essentially cuts about a bit, you know, fighting pig cops and shooting things. So in the footage, uh, which if anyone is familiar with the 90s video for Californication by the Red Hot Chili Peppers... Oh my exactly god, I mean. it totally is, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, it's got that weird state of really ropey looking graphics, but with strange, strangely smooth movement. And it almost looks like a trailer for Mafia Wars. Um, yeah, yeah, Like yeah. the mobile phone games. In fact, if you if you said that this was the trailer for the new Duke Nukem, uh, Duke Nukem mobile, mobile game... game I would believe you 100%. But yeah, it looks inc- it looks incredibly ropey and it's supposed to, I guess. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's like a demo a to like yeah, it's a proof of concept completely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um but it's still kind of cool to see because this is again the side of development you don't often get to see and you know, it's it's very much just like a storyboard in a way, but I don't know, 2008 it seems a bit dated by that standard. Mhm. You know, back what did what games did you get back in two thousand and eight? Well, you you're talking Bioshock in two thousand seven. So Whoa, yeah. compare that to this. Yeah, in fact, Duke Nukem Forever came out after this. This trailer must have been potentially, Crikey. potentially. Uh, I mean, uh, in all honesty, I did look into this uh, news topic before we started. <laughs> Sorry, whoops. Yeah, um, yeah uh, it's it's hard to see proof of concepts. And, and not look at them as on-rail games because it definitely looks like a bit of an on-rail type game. Uh, I'm sure this isn't what they were going for. I'm sure they were going for a bit more of a third-person adventure, which, I mean, do you really want that? Um, I mean, I- oh, third person. There's more third-person Duke Nukem games than there are first-person. That's true, I suppose. That's true. Yeah, Time to Kill and the like. So it, it looks a bit like that, and that was quite a fun game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the problem is with Duke Nukem is once he left the the ninety once you left the nineties, he just he was really um 
really dated. Ray, Rayner bad. puts it right there. It looks primitive, backwards, outdated, and stale, like the series in general. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It's a hardcore product of its time. Um, uh, and it, it's hard to bring it back um, because the thing is, it's always been tongue in cheek. There's no way you're going to be able to really bring it back and uh, make it yeah. for a new, new age audience, I don't think, without. I don't know, breaking some serious eggs. They, they, they made it for the 90s kid who grew up on a diet of 80s action movies and never really kind of grew out of those. Nah, absolutely. And yeah, Duke Nukem, yeah, he's, he's, had his, he's had his time and he's not he's not nearly as funny as he thinks he is, that's for sure. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. Um, yeah, there's not really much else to say about this one. Um yeah, still kind of cool to see, though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's cool to see, for sure, for sure. And guys, I think that is the end of the podcast, or is it? Or is it? It is not. It is not? It is not. Spoiler alert, it is not. Ooh, go on, tell me more, tell me more. Right, no, you're going to tell me, because we are moving into a very uh, uh, impromptu, I'd say impromptu, we've actually planned this uh, ahead um, and we've, we've got Q&A questions to ask. So all of these questions come from the lovely folks in Slope's Discord channel um, and to keep it fair, because we did get a lot of questions, uh, thank you very much everyone who participated. Oh yes. I'm going to uh, give a, give one question from each person. Someone kind of got like a two-parter. That's not going to be a habit. Um, but uh, just to keep it fair, everyone gets one. So if you do not see your question being asked here, do not fret. Uh, there's If this goes well, I'm fairly sure we'll do another one of these at some point. I mean, Q&As are always very popular when we're talking to uh, Mr. Mr. Ibbotson. Uh, so <laughs> Oh, I bet you didn't like it. <laughs> it's all <laughs> good. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think the best way we can proceed is to fire away. Yeah. Um, I had a brief look, but I haven't properly looked at the questions. I don't know what's going to be thrown at me. So, so years coming from the uh, coming from the top of his dome. Go for it, Dan. I want you to answer some of these with me as well. Oh, okay, yeah. Of course, I will. Yeah. If if yeah yeah of course. So, Dan, do you have a favourite sports game? That question comes from Lord Bacon 25 Sports okay. games? I mean, obviously, you instantly think of your FIFAs and what have you. Uh, no, not into those. But Virtua Tennis is awesome. Like, I couldn't believe how good that game was. Virtua Tennis, although I think my favourite is another football game, actually, called Sega Soccer Slam for the Xbox. That was a good fun. Uh, and obviously, back in the day, I loved a bit of NBA Jam. Who didn't like NBA Jam? Yeah, yeah. And oh um, yeah, those are classic. Yeah. What were those um, uh, like arcade footy ones, like the, the Tech Mobile ones? They were quite fun. Uh, yeah, pick up and play um, arcadey ones. They were a bit more like, like arcade feely, not not really any kind of real uh, physics to them. I mean, I didn't play them often. The one I played the most was definitely your, your Virtua Tennis and your Sega Soccer Slam. They were the two I played the most. Yeah, yeah. I think um, if if I was going to answer, uh, which I might as well, yeah. Um, I always liked the the ones that had a bit more of a fantas fantastical spin. So I like stuff like Speedball, Speedball, um, Mutant, yes, Mutant League, mm -hmm. um, Tiny Tiny t 
weird one tiny tunes acme all-stars <laughs> which had a bit of football right. basketball and all that i i didn't like the the po face very serious games but i will say the closest i ever got to enjoying a football game was actually fifa 2000 and i believe i mentioned this previously and that the reason for that was because it had real big fish in the soundtrack it did um, sell out can, me oh yeah that's it yeah and you can and you can score from the half halfway point which was just fun to do to annoy people there you go there you go um cool yeah that's a good one it's actually easier than you think like okay sports games are just getting completely written off but yeah your virtual tennises and stuff like that are really good i remember virtual striker being quite good actually um and uh no i think that we'll keep it there that's good and suppose you could count some martial arts games as sports games as well. And if that's oh, the case, yeah. Virtual Fighters are a really good shout. Um, okay, so next one up uh, from Dark Tone. Is there a game that you love but you have never beaten? It's a great question. For the longest time, it used to be uh, Revenge of Shinobi until I actually completed it. But I didn't complete it until I was an adult. I never never got to the end of that game until I was an adult. So Revenge of Shinobi uh, and Shinobi 3, surprisingly, there was one particular moment as you was going up elevators that required you to jump and do a double jump off. And I prepped myself so hard and I got so nervous on that double jump, I'd always mess it up. And it was always that area that I'd mess it up. Um and because I didn't really give myself much chance, I would uh, never go back to it and then try it again ages later and I'd be crap again rather than just doing it straight away, which is what I should have done. Um, what was the uh, cell-shaded um, uh, shooting game? Is it 13? I never finished that. 13, yeah. Yeah, I never finished that. I got to the final boss and never finished that um, just because I was like, oh, yeah. And I think I went out and then I never went back to it, even though I loved playing that game. I just didn't finish it. Um Oh my god, yeah, the obvious one that I still uh, have never finished. It's actually not that old, although it kind of is, I suppose, recently, more recently discovered for me. It's Wild Guns, or more specifically, Wild Guns Reloaded. Oh, yeah. I great, pick up that game, game all the time. Once, I mean, it's one of my most played Switch games. It really is, Wild Guns Reloaded, to the point where uh, I even imported the soundtrack um, just because I love it so much. I've just not completed it. And it's one of those games where I'll, I've just got like um, uh, hit. I've got just got like, uh, uh, killed, like uh, you know, one life lost. I'll restart because I shouldn't be dying that early. On. You know, like, I'm so into it. I've just never completed it. Um, great fun playing that game, though. Great fun. What about you? Um, the one that really sticks out to me, is Shadow Man. Uh, mm-hmm. I I started playing that game on the N64 around the time it came out. Absolutely loved it. Rented it so many times. But one of the biggest issues I encountered was that the N64 memory card that was using to save the game kept getting corrupted, always at the same point. So unless I left the console turned on and overnight for several nights in a row, Mm -hmm. I would never really get that far. And, um, you know, it it got to years and years and years and years later, and I'm still waiting for that remaster to come out on PlayStation. I, I could get it on PC, sure, but... I want it on PlayStation for some reason. Yeah. Um, because I want to play it on the TV and enjoy it properly. But the the game, the the atmosphere in that game for the day was it was dripping with atmosphere. Great storyline, very comic book focused, great characterization. Loved Jaunty, loved Michael Leroy, um, and the Jack the whole idea of facing off against serial killers based on real world serial killers like uh, Jack the Ripper and 
you know some of the, the repo man killings and it was just i don't know i it's such such a grim dark game <laughs> yeah um but i i absolutely loved it it was it was up there with the likes of soul reaver and tomb raider for me so Ooh, i, I would definitely reaver. say definitely uh say that with uh shadow man uh, i wonder why you said Ooh, soul Ooh, reaver uh shadow man uh still have my dreamcast version says Bruno Fart. that's definitely the version i played the most but yeah i didn't complete that another series that i've never completed but always loved playing and i didn't complete it until street uh grand theft auto 5 was any grand theft auto before it i never completed a grand theft auto until the number five i just got oh. i would i would play a few missions i'd mess I around maybe a few more but most of the time just messing around and messing around with the cheats and just the the the, the world that they they got you to play around in i never completed a game until number five yeah i completed the saints row game before i completed the gta one mm -hmm. uh which says says a lot i think um yeah I'm, I'm very much the same i think with gta 3 and gta vice city for all the love they get i find that you get the most fun out of just pissing about um as opposed to actually playing the story yeah yeah it's always always been the case for me especially when you get the plane and then you know just try and dive bomb everyone on the street it's just fun absolutely absolutely there you go okay let's uh let's go for a couple more then waves um state uh ask wave states what let me rewind let me edit that out of you don't have to edit it out Go for it. Right. Favourite hidden Dreamcast gem? Um, I mean, Ill Bleed always comes to mind. Um, I, I, although I played it not too long ago and realised, oh, it's not that good, actually. Um, I, maybe I need to play it a bit more to get myself back into the mindset of what it was back in the day, and I, I quite enjoyed Ill Bleed. Um, maybe... Um, oh, yeah, here's one. What was that? Again, it's another tennis type game, but what was that um futuristic one that came right at the end of life? Cosmic Smash. That was quite cool. That was a really obscure game. Not many people really know about that one. Was it Cosmic Smash? Yeah. I believe it was that, yeah. Uh, I'll try and get some footage up on the screen. And it also came in a DVD style case, and it was an official release. Mm. Uh Cosmic Smash. What about you? I'll see if I can find footage of it. Uh yeah, I, I feel Smash? like I, I feel like this is one's a bit of a cop-out because a lot of people would have already known about this one, but when it comes to Dreamcast games, I think the one that really uh, kind of blew me away was the likes of um, Propeller Arena because it was it was never officially released. It was you know everything but released. It was basically going to be their their new Crimson Skies. In fact, that's Crimson Skies came after Propeller Arena, didn't it? Well, unless I got that wrong, but. Um, yeah, the whole idea is it was a multiplayer dogfighting game uh, with soundtrack from the likes of The Offspring or, you know, bands that sounded very similar to that. And uh, it's a great little multiplayer game, but you could only get it by downloading it and then, of course, running it on your Dreamcast uh, via uh, a boot disc. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you didn't you couldn't just go into a shop and just find it or rent it. You had to have a bit of know-how to get it to work but i will say it's worth the effort great little game absolutely absolutely i'm showing it's a bit of a gameplay here of cosmic smash from youtube but uh yeah i suppose it's a bit like the uh the puzzle the the the, the puzzly versions of virtual tennis um but yeah it looks like that bit in the the scream video from michael uh from michael yeah Jackson. it does doesn't it ah 
Dad, you love. <laughs> great tune, great tune. Um, yeah, keep them coming. I'm enjoying this. Right. So, from Mr. Iceferno, thank you very ah, much. Ah, Iceferno, um, great channel. Go check him out. What is a Mega Drive game that you hate? Mega Drive game I hate. Um, I get into arguments with Kim Justice about this, but I thought Beavis and Butthead was absolutely pants. Um, uh, I can find enjoyment in other licensed games like that Stimpy's Invention and stuff, but I really didn't like, um, uh, yeah, Beavis and Butthead. That sucked. There's probably others, but that's the one that comes to mind straight off the bat. I've got it up there, actually. (laughs) Why have I got that game? You know one of the reasons I've got this game, actually, because I bought it secondhand, and it comes with... Uh, annoyingly, it doesn't come with the manual. But someone has actually um, uh, cut out a little thing from a from a magazine, which I thought was quite nice. It just makes it feel a bit more like, oh, someone's gone to the effort. I like that. But there you go, that's it. That's it. Uh, yeah. hmm. well, I think mine would be the, the likes of Marzu Palami. Right, yeah. <laughs> I know I I made a joke. Uh, I, you know, I keep making jokes about like, oh yeah, Marzu Palami's back. I can't wait to play it in in, in reality. Yeah, what like, happened to that? Actually? Oh man, I I really don't like that game. No, that's not <laughs> I've good. spent far too much time playing that game and not getting very far at all. And it's just, uh, it's definitely not the worst Mega Drive game. It's just one that I personally have a bit of a Moriarty complex with. Mm-hmm. Complex with mm-hmm. just can't get anywhere decent. Yeah, so, it, it, it's not a game I've ever put much of any time in at all because I, you know, I'm not a fan. But there you go. Yeah, one of those. Yeah. Um, right. Keep them coming. TMS. TMS asks, "What's your favourite console?" I think we all know the answer. To Mega this Drive. One, Mega Drive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I am a massive fan of the exclusives on Sony systems. I think Sony have some incredible exclusives in in the more recent ages. But uh, yeah, the Mega Drive is my favourite system for sure. Likewise. Next. <laughs> yeah, easy. Goes with it. So, um, Chris Hayfornwhite. Hey, Fornthwaite, apologies if I mist- uh, mispronounce that name, from Patreon. Go for it. What, what's retro game that hasn't been remastered yet would you love to see a remaster or remake of? Um, I go back to that PlayStation era because I feel like remakes um, shouldn't be from the previous generation. I want to see games from two generations old or even longer than that. Um, the way Crash Bandicoot came out from one to four, the the trilogy, I know it wasn't perfect, but it was a great way to remaster those classic games to a new generation rather than making people that have the game buy it again. Um, so I want to see some classic PlayStation 1 games remastered. Uh, I always run to Die Hard Trilogy and it needs a bit of a tune-up. Like, I've got serious rose-tinted goggles on with that game um, and because uh, it doesn't play brilliantly. Like far from it uh but i love it and i would love to see it, it would never ha- that would literally never happen but i would love to see it and and don't e- pretend die hard trilogy 2 doesn't exist because i that's what i do um uh but a more obvious one that possibly is more likely to uh a twisted metal game maybe world tour or black one of those two i'd want to see one of them there you go. What about you? Um, so I've already said Soul Reaver a couple of times for similar questions Ooh, in the Soul past. Reaver. So let's go. Let's go uh, slightly different. Dino Crisis in Dino the Crisis. RE2 remake. I don't know why they didn't go and do that before they moved on with the next Resident Evil because the one they did, the one they're working on now is four. Is that right? Yeah. Remake. 
doesn't need to be redone yet. Doesn't need to be redone yet. I'll be, I, it's it's around about there because it's from the GameCube era. Um, but yeah, do Dino Crisis first. Do do Code Veronica first, and then yeah. move on to four. Yeah, so many more deserving games. And to be honest, Resident Evil Four is still fresh enough in my head to be yeah like you know revolutionary. I mean, it's, it's still a great game. Yeah, and a lot of modern games followed the mold so much that. To be honest, I I think it would actually tarnish Resident Evil 4's memory in a way. For sure, for sure. I don't know. It, it's not time yet. It's not time yet. It was. It's, it's a game that still works brilliantly. Um, it's yeah. like for me, it's like if someone if, if Sega said they were going to redo, um, it's a lot older, but say they were going to redo uh, Sonic Three and Knuckles. It's like great. You're not going to make it better. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like it's like when when uh, like when um uh, Disney um said the in the enhanced version i think it was they called it or the it was basically they called it the better version of whatever wording they use it's the better version of uh beauty and the beast i'm really going off track here but uh, of beauty and the beast and i'm like how can you make that film better and then i watched it and they they added a scene a song human again that wasn't in the original and i'm like get that fucking song out of the movie that does not belong in this movie it was cut for a reason it's why um, yeah. you, don't, you don't see director's cuts of um uh, of tarantino movies they there, there is stuff he's cut from the movie but he cuts it for a reason because it's better without those extra bits um definitely there you go there you go I'm fully off track but there you go I've, i think uh another another good shout it's like they uh disney did something really interesting for the xbox 360 era and then they, they worked with Sega again to re-release Castle of Illusion. But I am desperate for them to redo World of Illusion yeah. and the other Illusion series. Yeah. They really need to like bring back that classic series. I tell you what, we're going back a bit. But I tell you, the the Epic Mickey series that would be great to be redone and and refined slightly. That would be a lot. That would be really nice because um, they're good ga- they're, they're they're great looking games, but they they are rough around the edges. Um, they need a bit of a touch-up. There you go. Yeah, that's a good one. Right. So here comes the two-parter from our good friend, Chev Matic. Chev Matic! Um, assuming Dan sold his entire collection in his teen years, like so many of us did. Uh, most of it, yeah. W- what was the first game he purchased to get back into video games? Um, probably Sonic 3 and Knuckles, because I don't own my original copy. If anyone out there ever finds... Uh, a cereal box inside reconstructed version of um, Sonic and Knuckles because it was a cardboard case and mine got a bit squashed so I, I reinforced it with cereal box on the inside I'd love to find that <laughs> um, yeah probably Sonic 3 and Knuckles and I own it loads of times now it's ridiculous although I don't own the Japanese version of Sonic and Knuckles which I want to do um, oh yeah little news topic Idris, Idris Elba's just announced he's going to be the voice of Knuckles isn't he alright Sonic you slag <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, sorry, I can't help but think that way. Um, yeah, you. Sonic Three and Knuckles were the first one. Um, Mickey Mania, I ran out and got straight away. Um, I, that's one of my favourite games for the system. Uh, obviously, Streets of Rage, the original, and then Number Two because I, I, I played Number One a hell of a lot more back in the day. Uh, Alien Storm was always a game. I went and got that. I wanted to always get that one um, as a single cartridge because back in the day I only had it as part of the multi packs, the uh, Mega Games series. You've already mentioned Castle of Illusion. That was one. Um, yeah, all of those. I, I and then eventually I went down the route of trying to get because uh, I'm, I'm trying to re. A lot of those games I bought and then I got rid of again, like things like Echo the Dolphin I went and got again, but I got it several times. And it was a time of my life when I was buying games again from my youth that I'd sold. Um, yeah. 
but I was putting them in a box in the attic because I had nowhere to put, else to put them. I'd forget what I'd bought because it was a time when you can go to a boot fair and buy games for 50p and a pound a pop. And it wouldn't, it weren't, it weren't an issue. I remember I picked up, uh, Castlevania New Generation for a pound, uh, cause they were just, and it was in the middle of the day. Like you wouldn't ever see that nowadays. Um, um, but eventually I got rid of them because I had no attachment to these games I was rebuying. I was just buying them because I found them at a boot fair. So now I'm rebuying my, my collection again for a third and final time, but on the, uh, Japanese Mega Drive. So I, and I'm buying them in pieces bit by bit. Yeah. So I know I, I, I have an attachment to them again. Uh, again, I still don't own my all time favorite game, Sonic and Knuckles. Uh, as a Japanese release, I have my, my PAL copy up here, of course. Um, but I've eventually gone down the route of trying to get loads of other games I either had or wanted as a kid as well. Even the games that aren't exactly the greatest games in the world, things like Fantasia. It's a terrible game, but it was such a big part of my Mega Drive collection. I went and picked that up for the Japanese Mega Drive. Uh, obviously Castle of Illusion, um, Moonwalker was a big deal. Aladdin, of course. Um, the original Golden Axe. I've got Streets of Rage. I have Streets of Rage 2 and 3, but not 1, which I think is actually the cheaper of the 3 for the, for the original. Uh, the original Columns, it's it's a big deal for me <laughs> to have that, you know. Um, you've already mentioned um, uh, World of Illusion, uh, of course, the original trilogy of Sonic games, Quackshot, someone mentioned, I think it was Rainer mentioned in there, Space Harrier. Uh, yeah, all of the classics, uh, Toe Jam and L, uh, Virtua Racing. It was, it's important for me to get these games back, Um I've got a couple of NBA Jam games up there as well. Um, yeah, it's important for me to get those games back. And look at that. We've got a Sonic and Knuckles trailer playing at the same time. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so the second part of the question was... Oh, wow. Sorry. At what, at, at what point did Dan consider himself to have become a video game collector? Example, when he purchased his 500 video game or he purchased his first £200 video game? Which, which, at what point, what game was it where you went, you know what, I'm actually doing this for fun? Um, I don't know if I've ever not been. Um, I remember back in my, even in my Mega Drive days, getting really angry because I was like, Mum, where are all my Amstrad Action uh, magazines? She's like, oh, I threw them away. You don't need them anymore. What? And I was like, angry. That she threw my my Amstrad Action magazines. Um, I, I wanted them. They've got all that really nice artwork of Dizzy and everyone in there. I was furious. Um, yeah, I've got this game. Go go, Ackman. Um, yeah, I, I think I've always been like that. Um, uh, especially when I sold my Mega Drive collection. Like that was painful. Like I remember, it wasn't that long. Uh, it was only a couple of years afterwards. I was like, why did I do that? Oh my god, that was painful. And my Master System collection as well went with it. Um, so I was like, that was, that was sucky. Uh, and, and I always felt that pain. And every time my neighbors upgraded their system from like the Sega Saturn to the Dreamcast or earlier on the Master System to the Mega Drive. And, uh, I don't think I got their Mega Drive games, but I'd always buy all their games off them for older systems, even back in the Mega Drive days. So I've always been like it. I just, um, uh, I think the big, the big change up moments for me really were um more the fact of how i collected like i went through a phase of just getting every single game i could get even if it was for a system i didn't have from boot fairs because they were just so cheap um yeah to to changing that up to being a, get, a collector that wanted to collect things that i actually knew i had and 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 had and i had like I say had an attachment to so i think that was the only real change there but i think i've always known I, i've always collected things in general whether it be sticker books or um 
I went I went crazy helping my sisters collect Pokemon cards, even though I had no interest in it in myself. I was just really into it just to help them. Um, I've always collected things like that. Um, if I look around my office, retro gamer magazines, I collect them. I mean, I've got literally hundreds of them, absolutely hundreds of them. And I never look at them because I've got them all digitally as well. Um, and they're the ones I use when I uh, research. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm obsessed with collecting stuff like that. I suppose if you look at the shelf, the other side of me as well, I need to go full screen really for this. Um, it's just full of trinkets for no reason yeah. other than just to put them on a shelf. Me, uh, Streets of Rage pins and Pac-Man pins and Pikmin uh, flask, which I paid extra for just so I could have the flask, which I'm never going to drink from. Um, you know, uh, random other stuff, Crash Team racing medals. And uh, yeah, so I, I think I've always known. I think I've always known. <laughs> yeah, I think you, you kind of do when you're, you, when you're buying Crash Team racing medals that's for sure. <laughs> well i got them sent to me but yeah yeah still i just love, love how there's a terminator endo skull on the top of your super nt back there yeah there it is yeah uh i'll i'll answer the same uh, yeah go for it mate. real real quickly um so uh my family's always kind of brought me up in the basis that you never really sell anything um we were hoarders the whole lot of us we didn't have a big place to, in which to hoard much but we were we were taught the value of like whatever you like enjoy whatever you receive you know like just you you appreciate it yeah and we never saying, sold, never sold presents it felt wrong to do that yeah so i i'm not i'm not saying that to lambast anyone i understand that you know space and you know money is important you know things go out go old hat and you replace it for new stuff it's the way of life right yeah especially when it comes to media but for me my parents they hated the idea of me going out and selling stuff. The only time that that ever happened was when uh, the N64 was due to come out, and I was really looking forward to getting one because I, I don't know if anybody remembers this, and this is going right back to the like the the late nineties. Um, but they, we went to Weymouth one day, uh, which is one of the beach towns in the UK, and uh, they had this thing called the Challenger, the N64 Challenger bus. And I got to play, it was just a bus full of N64s. And I got a chance to finally like play an N64 and I was blown away. I, bear in mind, I I completely skipped the PlayStation at this point. And um, I've seen 3D, gamings, uh, 3D gaming for the very first time. And I got it just like that. I, I was quite proud to be one of the people who just switched to like 3D gaming like just like that. So something had to give. And that was the Mega Drive with 40-plus games. Painful. Years later, I kept my N64. To this day, I still have my original N64 and all of the games I've purchased, plus a lot more. Um, but yeah, the Mega Drive, I um, I went through a bad bad period at college. I won't go into too much detail. And I went, was walking past a game station, and I saw a Sega Mega Drive in the window, and I saw at least half of the games that um that I used to own. You don't see it like that anymore, do you? That even that that's a bygone era. Yeah. And then I, I just went in, the games were buy one, get one free. And next thing I knew it is every week after getting paid, you know, back then I used to get paid weekly working at a pub. Yeah. I would just uh I would just go and spend my, pretty much all of my paycheck on more games from GameStation. 
and I've worked. I've accumulated over 180 Mega Drive games since then. Lovely. Um, half of those came from GameStation for yeah. less than five or each. That was a good time. I remember seeing a Virtual Boy for like 60 quid or something box as well. The GameStation was a great little store. I think it got bought out by Game, didn't it? It did. Yeah. And that's when the fun, it fun ended. Did, definitely, day. I've still got a few games that have the old stickers on of, of that annoyingly on the action. Because one thing they really did do that was terrible, uh, as much as they were an awesome little store, they also used to put their pre-owned stickers. They used to take out the inlay and put it on in the actual paper inlay and then slot it back in. Yes, oh, bloody hard awful. to get off. Bloody hard to get off. But um, to be fair, they learned because they started using low adhesive, so it just fall off after yeah, a couple, yeah. couple of months. Absolutely. Yeah. But, Took him a while. Indeed, yeah. indeed. Yeah, good one. Cheers for that. Uh Chevmatic. Okay. And yeah. then uh this is a this is a big one, I think. Um from iQuail. Mm-hmm. Uh what made you decide to start a YouTube channel and at what point did he realise it could be something that could could be turned into a full time job? I've told this story many times, but I always love telling it, so don't worry. iQuail, thank you. You're a big supporter of the show. Appreciate that, mate. As, as you are as well, Chevmatic. Um so yes, uh, Iquel. The way, the reason for, and I mentioned this earlier on actually in this podcast. So basically, I, I was, I, I got to a point where I was just watching a lot more YouTube than I was um, normal telly. Uh, I, I became obsessed with trying to find channels, and I remember I would just search gaming history or some Mega Drive history or any kind of history or I could find a documentary, any word that I could do to try and discover a channel that would was talking about history pieces because i was doing this i was discovering all the usual people your game sacks your your lazy game reviews larry uh, ashen's earlier computer stuff that he used to do as well and uh, uh yeah i really really like their stuff uh obviously you know it didn't it it it, it it's easy to find the american youtubers that would do this stuff but it was harder to find the the british people that were talking about the stuff that i knew about myself um and obviously because of that i knew your anger video game nerds and all that sort of stuff but i remember when i used to what is that advert about um crazy um i remember basically going into a retro game store um and you know i'd always played around with the story in my head like oh i'd love to do a channel one day i'd love to do a channel one day uh like everyone probably thinks that already but i remember going into a retro game store and there were some younger lads not much younger than me maybe five ten years younger than me a push but about five years younger than me and they were all saying um talking about they were trying to outdo each other with like gaming facts like yeah but did you know that did you realize how popular Mega Man was back in the day like oh yeah but what about the video game crash of 1983 yeah and i just i wanted to be that annoying twat that walked in well actually you're all wrong because that isn't how it was back in the day not over here at least that was the american uh history of video gaming uh which is why i was obviously drawn to larry uh i remember he did a video on the history of um thundercats uh video games about how it was a different game uh for the same name that sort of story again uh, and that just I didn't know that story. That, that that blew me away. That fascinated me. The same way Angry Video Game fascinated me with, um, when he talks about the Sword Quest series. I didn't know about that. That, that was, wow, that's really interesting. Uh, but no one seemed to be doing, um, well, not many people that I could find, were doing the history of um, what we did here in the UK. We, we mentioned it earlier on with um, 
uh, Goldfish here, uh, chatting about uh, how we used to to make mixtapes of, of video games and, and and send it over to other when people were spending 50, 60 quid a pop on a game over in the States. We were paying two pound a pop uh, and, you know, we didn't have really much of a crash, not that we would have ever known about back in the day. And it was just such a different style and the americans did such a great job at storytelling that people in the uk started to believe it that it was our history yeah. and it wasn't um so i wanted to do my story the first video i ever did which isn't on my chat it isn't my first video on my channel anymore i had to re-upload it due to a copyright thing um was the story of roland and it was all about uh the amstrad's mascot uh that i couldn't find anyone had really done a video about um, I thought, like, oh yeah, I'll get around to doing that. I'll get around to do it. I wrote the script and I changed it and I wrote, like, and I was so nervous about re uploading my first video. Um, there was a time when, uh, I was going to have a little voice like this and talk like, because like, I was trying to be a character, like genuinely, I've still got that footage. Um, and I was going to be animated at one point. I had this, uh, picture of an animated guy. It looks a bit like Fred Durst, actually, like what he looks like now. And he's got <laughs> a, um, he had a big mustache and I would wiggle the mustache whenever I talked and that was going to be like the animation because I didn't want to animate his mouth. Um, so his, his moustache would move and all of the expressions would be done with the eyes like angry or looking sideways or whatever. And all I had to do was just move the irises around or, or change the image or whatever. And it was all going to be like that. Um, and I, I remember I did an intro and I wish I still had that intro and it was like very slapstick. Um, and then, uh, uh, retro game a new retro gamer magazine came through the post like it did every month and there was a big article about the amstrad cpc and i think they were interviewing um uh what's his name um alan sugar and i was like nope i need to get this out because someone's going to do this video before me i did the video and i posted it up in the retro gamer forums in the area you shouldn't post it so if you go to retro gamer forums and you search for dj slope one word that was my username. I haven't posted in there forever, but you will find the first ever post I ever did. Um, and I sat there like no response, no response. And I went back and looked whether it was a day later or a couple of hours later, whatever it was. I can't remember now. And it just like, I was like, wow, people really like this and people were giving me praise. And I was like, wow, this is my first ever video. Like I was instantly hooked. Um, from that moment on, I made, I get, set myself a goal to do a video every week. And I did a video every week for the longest time. I think I missed like two in a year, in, in a couple of years or something. It was like years were falling off the calendar. I wouldn't miss one. It was ridiculous. And, um, um, as I did that, the algorithm really liked me. Um, obviously I had adverts and I could just see that I'm earning money here. This is going well. And it got to a point where I was like, okay i can actually uh oh no originally it was once a month but i changed it to once a week sorry my videos um and i, I originally worked out like wow i if i continue on the path i'm going down i will eventually be able to do this for a living um and yeah long very long story short it took about five to six years to get there but um i eventually got to a point where what i was gaining from youtube was the equivalent of what I was gaining in uh, my uh, real world job. And I decided, right, now's the time. But after a long, long time, I really, really heavily had to secure it. It's, uh, at the end of the day, I am a, a family man with a, with, a, with a son at the time and, you know, a daughter now uh, as well. Um, and, you know, wife, I had to make sure I had a mortgage and all that sort of stuff. So I had to really, really make sure that this was something that I could do and it was safe to do. But eventually, yeah, I... Uh, got to a point where i was just like it's time to pack it in and i've never looked back since yeah a bit long Great but story. there we go 
That's how it goes. No, no, it's it's fascinating. I mean, you know, it doesn't happen for everyone, so it's it's good to see, you know, what what gets you there. So it is hardcore. Yeah. It is hardcore. And what I will say is, for anyone out there that wants to be a YouTuber, like, go for it go for it I, I started it off because it was just something i was interested in doing it was went the same way as every single band in the world is influenced by some other artist of some sort i was influenced by other youtubers out there uh, but i put my own spin on it i tried not to be another channel although obviously everyone thinks i'm larry <laughs> you know I, I can't get away with that i'm sure the uh the, the, the hardcore amount of collaborations we did didn't help that but um uh yeah like it was those experiments over the years uh of uh keeping myself entertained making sure i'm making content that i actually like and that i would actually these were the videos i was struggling to find myself um that i was wanting to make um and yeah like uh over time i it was it was so amazing because in the real world i didn't have many people that i could go to to talk about these fucking boring and nerdy video game facts like i i really didn't have anyone to talk to about that and i would chew people's ear off that like and i could tell that they were not interested in what i was talking about and it, it's completely fair like what i talk about is a niche uh subject matter like people 95 percent of the 99 percent of the world are not interested in my niche subject matter but thankfully by going online and talking about it um uh, I have discovered 147,000 people that do like talking, li listening to me jabber on about that, and hopefully many more in the future as well. Uh, and yeah, that, that, that's that's really it. I, I, I've uh, I'm on a, a forever going worldwide uh, uh, convention full of people that like to hear me rabbit on about some random gaming facts. That's what it's about. What an awesome thing to do! I love it. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm not a YouTuber, so I won't answer that. Yeah, yeah. Go go for the next one. I'll make the next questions not as uh, not as long winded. But regardless, <laughs> I quell. Thank you for that one, mate. Um, and uh, obviously, yeah, Chevmatic for the previous as well. Cheers. <laughs> right. So, uh, great question, I quell. Thank you very much for doing that. And so we move on to Mike Towns. Of course, we wouldn't have a podcast without Mike showing up somewhere. Yes. Um. So. What is the worst thing in your collection? And it can either be bad, but still kind of like it, or just regular old bad. The obvious one I always go to is... Have I got it nearby? Uh, uh, don't know where it is. Um, I think it's down there. Uh, no, I can't see it without getting up. I, I have Sonic Jam for the game.com still sealed, hopefully to get it on that bidding site one day, raking the money. Yes. Uh, yeah, I've got Sonic Jam on the game.com. Terrible game. Uh, and I remember it was an eBay auction was selling them sealed. So I bought two, one to open and one to, um, have keep kept sealed because it was like a tenner or something it was bloody cheap but i have got another one surprisingly right here actually um now this is this is obviously not bad let me go full screen for this um i'll explain for people that are listening as well so this is obviously not a bad game this is theme park for the mega drive um this is one of the biggest decisions of my life as a gamer back in the day like you know when you were so obsessed with like oh what do i do what do i do and it really wasn't an important decision to make but for me it was important to make as a kid do i save up my money my pocket money my little um uh working at the the local farm shop do i save up the money and get a 32x or do i get theme park and i was 
fascinated by theme park. I didn't have a PC back then. Eventually I did. Um, and I was just desperate to play theme park. Um, I obviously got to the money of theme park before I got to the money of 32X, which is really the deciding factor. I had to save up a bit longer to get a 32X. Um, so I got this instead. Uh, now the reason why this one's quite a bad one to have in the collection, because this is the only game I still have. Uh, this is the only one that's my original copy from my original collection of Mega Drive games. The only one. And the reason why this is the only one I have out of even my favorite games, like Mega Sonic 3 and Knuckles, is because this one was unsellable. Uh, when I was supposed, to, I was so addicted to it that when I was supposed to be looking after my sisters when my mum and dad went to work, uh, well, my mum's ex-partner, who I called dad, um, he came in once and saw me playing the game. He's like, get off that game. You're supposed to be looking after your sister. I was like, okay, okay. He went off and I ran straight back upstairs to carry on playing on this. And um, he went apeshit because this was something that he was... Um, I, I censored the word fucking and then said apeshit. Um, uh, he went so mental because they've been telling me for weeks to stop playing and do other things. He was very much like, you need to do more sports, not play less games. You know, one of those sort of people. That he went so, went so, so crazy <laughs> that he kicked it and uh, smashed the cartridge. It still works. But that's what uh, it looks like now. It was in my Mega Drive. And I remember he kicked it and walked off. And I was like, oh, man, it's broken. It's not stopped the game, though. <laughs> I carried on playing. But yeah, that, that's, that's all that's inside. It's a tiny little bit of a PCB. And for people that are listening, I'm just basically holding up a smashed up cartridge of Theme Park uh, because uh, it got kicked. And uh, there it is. It's my original wow. copy. <laughs> what about you, man? Oh, oh, it's a tough one. Like, um, I know I've had a few aggressive purchases where I've bought a game for like Mega CD and realized it's a different language. Um, so that's Jurassic Park on the Mega CD. Yeah. Uh, bought a mint condition copy. I couldn't believe my luck for a tenner, and it turned out to be completely in Spanish, which <laughs> that's funny. Not so lucky. Um, but it's in a similar vein, I guess, um, I, I went through a spate of collecting Wii games um, semi-recently, and I managed to pick up a really nice copy of The Last Story, which is quite a rare RPG to get on the Wii. Mm -hmm. And it's the collector's edition. I was like, oh, even better. Oh, it's super cheap. But then I found why. It was covered, as in absolutely smothered, all the way around. I wish I had a camera so I could show you guys, because it's it would make most people wince. It was covered in security seals, like the old. Uh, if you break the seal, you you give up your twenty eight day return. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just smothered all of the way around. There is absolutely no way to remove those seals without ripping the card off that. Wow. Edition. And you don't want to leave them on because it looks like a box covered in security seals. Jeez. And this is one of the most expensive and hardest to get Wii games there is. That's um, crazy. <laughs> that is by far the worst thing in my collection because I just don't... I can't sell it. I can't enjoy it. It's literally <laughs> just on the shelf glaring at me. Wow, that's insane. Oh. All I can do is play the game. And to be fair, it's it's a JRPG. I have to be in a real set mood to enjoy yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, sure, sure. <sighs> it's what it is. There it is. There it is. What have you got next? Um, is there any more? We have three more. Go, go, and go. And we're going to call it a night. So, Da Action Saxon, 
Oh, um, yes. What's a classic game that you would love to see remade, but in a different genre from the original? Ooh. I tell you what, one comes to mind straight away, because they've just done it, is Metal Slug. Um, and I know in today's Nintendo Direct, they showed a little bit more. The reason why we haven't talked about it, because there wasn't that much to talk about in all honesty. But, um, yeah, um, they've recently made, uh, or .mu is recently uh, going to be putting out, uh, eventually going to be putting out a uh, uh, sort of... Um, Advanced Wars style Metal Slug game, which looks awesome. That's a nice change up to a classic series. Um, I suppose another one that comes to mind as well is Jet Set Radio because they 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 obviously got the classic Jet Set Radio games for the uh, uh, Dreamcast and obviously PC now. Um, but they ended up making like Tony Hawk style games for the Game Boy Advance, and they were really good. Um, I tell you one that would be quite cool. The way Pokemon Go is, with augmented reality, um, but with Jet Set Radio, and you go around, you can graffiti famous landmarks. That would never happen. That would be cool, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be cool. Imagine, yeah, that would be really cool. And you could see other people's tags. That needs to happen. That needs to happen. Yeah, I mean, that's that's basically ingress before Pokemon Go, wasn't it? That's the whole idea. I mean, that's where all the Pokestops come from. Fun fact for anybody, any Pokemon Go fans out there. Mm. But all of the Pokemon Stops were the nodes that people collected in Niantic's previous app, Ingress. Yeah. They would go around tagging graffiti and then placing it on the map for google and that's where all of the the data went i know um the old early beta of the the pikmin go has gone out now isn't it so i'm uh, i'm looking forward to seeing a bit more about that mm. there we go there we go yeah no, uh, 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 an augmented reality jet set radio game just don't make that the next jet set radio. don't make that like the the end of jet set radio make a proper jet set radio as well although you've got that bomb shooter game or whatever it's called coming out as well that's essentially jet set radio free so uh yeah there you go that's that's a really random one i can't believe i've gone to augmented reality phone games but uh that's where we're going with it what about you yeah (laughs) uh i don't know something like billy hatcher in the style of monkey ball something like that cool yeah yeah it's uh, it's basically that but with less platforming so i don't know it's not really much of an answer I, i i i don't know what to say on that one to be fair i'm sure i'd have loads of ideas but it's 20 to 12 (laughs) um oh my god yeah i quell how many people would just post the classic cock sketch (laughs) (laughs) absolutely and and that's why it would never happen every famous landmark in the world is just covered in penises ah yeah sega would not be able to uh, get away with that one unfortunately no but thank you very much uh i quell for your question earlier mate and uh yeah to action saxon Cheers for that one, mate. Uh, Scootaloo, uh, what's the worst Kickstarter that you've seen that's not been on Kickscammers yet? I'm going to do it one day. Um, there's actually one I can't talk about um, because it's one that I've had I've had to recently. I've only ever once had to say, you know what, I don't think I can do this. Um, and it's primarily because I've got information that I shouldn't have. Um, I'm being really vague here, but I'm just telling you something that's recently happened. Uh, I had a lot of information that I shouldn't have for a Kickstarter. And I would basically have to make the entire video and say, I have seen, but I can't show you. Someone's told me, but they don't want to be named. And it would just be the whole video would be so vague like that. And it's just like, well, I can't do anything with this. Um, unfortunately, um, maybe it's something I'll be able to talk about in the future. And I think I will be able to eventually when a few more things come out, but I can't, 
at the moment, uh, which is a real shame. Um, so, um, that, uh, but, uh, which is stupid vague. So that's not my answer. Um, the other one would be, uh, okay. Where is my, I need to remind myself what it's actually called. Oh, if anyone's interested, my bookmark for Kickstarter is for a game called Human Resources. Every time I click my Kickstarter tab that I have saved, it goes to this first before I go searching. Um, it was just an accident that I saved it like that, but I've never changed it. And that was in the first ever ever before it was even called kick scammers kickstarter video i ever did about 10 games that we wish we could get but we never will um uh first ever kickstarter video i didn't realize oh people like this i should carry on with kickstarter videos that was all right um it was a game it was a thing it was a drone i think it was called zano let me have a look yeah there it is it was called zano i don't know everything about the story behind it yet without researching but um, the reason I want to do it so much is before I was even um, doing kick scammer, kick scammer videos, I was really, and I always have been really into Kickstarter. And um, me and my friend Ollie, real world friend outside of uh, the world of YouTube, um, used to just constantly back things. He, he would back so much more than I would. Um, uh, you know, T-shirts that you could throw mud at and they don't get dirty and, and, and those pens that were like, 3d printers and actual 3d printers and god knows whatever else um and uh yeah this was the we almost daily we talk about kickstarter and this was something that he backed um and it turned out to be a massive scam and it was the final thing he ever backed um so i lost my real world kickstarter friend uh well i haven't we're still friends we still chat almost daily but this is the first thing um last thing he ever backed it was the last thing we talked about regarding kickstarter and every time i said oh have you checked this out he's like, i don't back things on kickstarter anymore i don't back things and it was just he never backed anything ever again i don't think um uh yeah it was a I, I, and and great I, I i believe he got his money back but he got it through his credit card company rather than the kickstarter themselves or the the back of uh, the campaign owners themselves look at that 2.335 million um and all the comments are i bet let's have a look yeah, I invoke my rights. I invoke my rights. I do too. Um, all the posts are. still yeah. invoking rights. Yeah, it's, it's a massive scam. Uh, I, I think it didn't come to light rather than it being a scam, but one of those like they didn't realise until afterwards, uh, which is all very obvious stuff that it wouldn't work. Uh, it was essentially just a a drone that takes pictures of you. Uh, I think that was it, really. Um, but he backed it, and it never came to be. Oh, wow. Um, that sounds like a right mess that one yeah look like that and then you can take pictures uh, kind of reminds me of that viral video that went around where it was just like little drone propellers on a mobile phone and it clearly would never work I think that's well documented that one you backed AO the Clown Iceferno as well I forgot about that has that ever come to be we're back we're getting into Kickstarter territory now this will end up being an yeah. even longer stream um, interesting interesting hmm anyway yeah sorry have you ever backed anything that hasn't come to be uh uh no thankfully I've, i feel like i've got a bit of a no, uh, good eye for this kind of thing i yeah. very nearly went into paprium but even that was made so um hmm. no I've, I've 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 done all right i think i've only ever backed a couple of things and i've got shenmue free um the hogs of war card game um and not much else earthworm jim comic book from dogs and apple so there it is yeah yeah i've got that up there i've got that up there um yeah i've i've only ever backed things that i've wanted that have actually 
come out. I've backed a hell of a lot of things at the one pound mark just to keep an eye on them. Um, but I don't class as class them as things, um, uh, that I've backed because I only do that in case things like, cause I can see this doesn't, this looks dodgy. I'm going to back it for a pound so I can keep an eye on it in case I need to do a video in the future. I've got a lot of those. Um, but, Things I actually want that I actually back myself. Board games, uh, a big thing, uh, and obviously games as well. Video games, yeah, they've all. I, I'm actually struggling to think of any that haven't come to fruition. Uh, there's a couple of games that have come out that have been, in all honesty, crap. But yeah, there's there's definitely things I've backed that. I mean, <laughs> very few things I've actually backed, but um, there's definitely like Shenmue Three was a massive disappointment for me. Yeah, Shemmy Free weren't that great. I don't think it was. I, I, at the same time, I questioned myself, like, what was I expecting a little bit? You know, like I don't know. But um, yeah, my my main thing was that I felt it was a bit naughty that they were getting all of this money from backers, and then the people who were pre-ordering it outside of the Kickstarter were getting more. Yeah. From yeah. When you know the game that's that's a common thing, backers. unfortunately. Yeah, um, it really is. Really is. But uh, yeah, felt, yeah, felt a bit hard done by by that. So okay, and we have one last question. It's a real toughie. Go it's for it. coming from B Triple. Yeah. What's your favourite breakfast cereal? <laughs> Naughty ones that I shouldn't be eating. Lucky Charms and Crave and stuff like that. Um, oh, Crave is the best. Crave is so nice. Uh, if you go to B and M, you can buy um like mental size boxes for four pound a box. Um. Yep. Yeah. Um, Got to give a shout out to Curiously Cinnamon as well. Uh, Golden yeah, Graham. That's nice. I don't see Curiously Cinnamon around anymore, actually. I bought some just the other day. I was nice. so happy when I saw it. Yeah, yeah I, I, like, I like bad few cereals. I, yeah. I, I, I think to myself that I'm, I'm going healthy by eating porridge quite a lot, but I put so much golden syrup on it. It's worse than any cereal I would ever eat. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, there you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh I, I i yeah i think it's got to be lucky charms because we went for people that don't know the uk went without lucky charms for the longest time yeah it was only a thing in the 90s and then they disappeared entirely for yeah. like almost a decade yeah and then maybe longer we, we only ever see it come into uh you know like the american sweet shops that we have around here mm-hmm. but i've started noticing that they're selling fruit loops in they are. asda yeah, Kellogg's Fruit Loops. Yeah, they're selling them now. I bought them for my daughter recently. They were unicorn ones. She lo- loved them because it's pink and it's got a unicorn on it. Um, it, it, it could have been, it could have been all brown in there. If I'm honest, she would still would have loved it. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a thing. I, I, and also, Oreo cereal is a thing now as well. Uh, in the UK, you wow. can get that quite easily. Um, like not just an import thing, but it's weird. You can get all this stuff, but Lucky Charms is still a bit of a harder thing to get. Yeah, yeah, it's it's odd, you know. You think that people will be able to make their own decisions about what kind of sugary filth they're going to be shoveling down their throats, but yeah. you know, the sugar tax that we have over is uh, definitely a thing. So I think Lucky Charms will just get taxed into oblivion per gram. Oh yeah, yeah. For people yeah. who don't know about that, so basically, almost all drinks are sugar free here in the UK. Um, uh, even when you go to restaurants, you're, they, a lot of restaurants don't even serve normal Coke anymore. They'll just serve sugar-free versions of everything. Like, I, I believe, um, I'd have to look into it, but I believe, Domino, uh, not Domino's, uh, Papa John's only sell sugar-free versions of their fizzy drinks now. Um, but if you go to a shop and you wanted to get yourself a Coke, 
it would be in a slightly smaller bottle and it will be more expensive. So you pay an extra like 40 pence for, say, if you go to a pub, you buy a pint of Coke versus a pint of Diet Coke. You're paying 41 pence extra for that that Coke. That's the sugar tax. Mm-hmm. Um and so when you buy in bottles, they found if they want to keep the price points the same, they have to reduce the size of the bottles. Um, so two bottles of cherry Coke, um, 1.25 litre will cost you the same as a two litre, uh, two two litre bottles uh, in Coke Zero. It's just really, really strange. M.E.K., uh, thank goodness we don't have sugar taxes. Uh, I mean, I don't mind it too much because I'm, if I if I want a full fat, I'm still happy to pay it, and it's pennies really. But it is quite in- alarming. It's only really happened over the last couple of years. It was about a couple two years ago, I think it came into effect, didn't it? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, around that. Yeah, if you go down the uh, the drinks aisle um, in like a Sainsbury's or a Tesco or something like that, or an ASDA, which is uh, our Walmart's, um, there were insane aisles, and it's like sugar free diet uh cokes and then you have the caffeine free then you have uh cherry free uh, cherry sugar free and vanilla sugar free and you have all these but like and then a small area where the the full fats are and like you say they're more expensive as well um yeah uh it, it's insane and, and and it's the same with energy drinks like you can still get monsters and normal relentlesses and all that sort of stuff but Almost all of them, if you look on the top along the rim, they'll all say sugar free. Because uh, yeah. yeah, the companies have to pay like the, the 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 extortionate prices. Although I am cutting out the uh, fizzies right now, so it doesn't affect me because I'm trying to better my innards. Uh. But for <laughs> but for the northerners in the audience, I think we can all raise a glass of some liquid filth Iron to the pe- most stalwart defenders of the sugar kingdom, and that would be. The Iron Brew. Iron Brew, absolutely. Which is literally like a submarine paint filler, uh, paint filler with with sugar. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It will, it will cut a hole through your stomach and you'll love it. Absolutely. I remember, um, and this is before the sugar uh, change as well, so I think it's always kind of been in effect a little bit in the UK, especially compared to America. Like America will pump that sugar into their drinks compared to what we have here. But... I remember when Mountain Dew came back because we had Mountain Dew in the 90s and I only ever tried it a couple of times in the UK. But when I went out to Florida on holidays, um, you know, we go to the, I can't even remember what they're called, but the, 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 you can eat breakfast before we go into like Disney World and whatever else. And um, Disney, uh, Disney World, yeah, Florida. Um, I would neck Mountain Dew all day long and we just didn't have it back when we came to the UK. And when they brought it over here, I was like, oh, <gasps> Mountain Dew, and it was almost like a midnight release. I just got so excited that Mountain Dew was coming, and I finally took a drink of it, and I was just like, someone might have just told me, like a family member had died or something. I was like, this isn't Mountain Dew. Like, I was livid. Now I have to wait till I go back to America before I can drink real Mountain Dew again. <laughs> um, yeah. There you go. But, uh, yeah. Never the same as you remember, especially when, when it comes across the Atlantic. Yeah, and I'm saying uh, Mountain Dew over in America definitely tastes different than Mountain Dew in the UK, for sure. Oh, totally. It's like, um, you know how everybody says like chocolate over in America doesn't taste nearly as good in the UK as, as it does in the UK? It's all down to standards and cost. You know, like the cheaper stuff that Mountain Dew is made of in the States, it tastes great because it's really bad for you. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas yeah, Mountain Dew yeah. in the UK, that they apply all of their safety certifications, and therefore it kind of ruins the fun. So you know, it's a balancing act. Yeah, for sure, for sure, absolutely. And there we go, guys. I think we'll probably end a, a retro video game quiz there after like half an hour chatting about sugar-free Coke. Uh... <laughs> yeah, what an episode! I think this is going to be a long one. Thanks for sticking with us, guys. Yeah, Been absolutely. Thanks for listening to Slopescast, the retro gaming news show with myself, DJ Slope, and my co-host, Grizzly Cryden, recorded live on Twitch every single Tuesday night. If you want to listen in live, then make your way over to twitch.tv forward slash Slopes Game Room at 9pm UK time, 1pm Pacific Standard Time, and 4pm Eastern Standard Time. And as stated, if you want to be in a chance to be on a future episode, then please do consider supporting the show on Patreon or as a YouTube member. And finally, if you do have any news stories for us then please do feel free to drop them in the dedicated rooms over on discord at discord.gg forward slash slopes game room and until next time guys this is dj slope signing out and hopefully i'll see you all next time